for all my people out there that got a job. Welcome back to another episode of Bree the Black Sheep. I'm your host, Bree the Black Sheep, the Black Bachelorette, self-proclaimed, because I don't want these niggas, these niggas want me. And we are joined by the most amazing, most talented, Gothis. Gothis is a producer, curator, host, and performer, and just an overall amazing presence. Say hi to the guests. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Bree, for having me, you bad bitch. Um, (laughs) Hello, I am Gothis. I'm a multidisciplinary artist, and uh, we met, I was performing, I was hosting a show. Were. <laughs> they were ho- hosting this amazing um, event called Bitchcraft, and I had no idea what I was walking to when I walked into it, um, but before that, I know you wear a lot of hats, can you tell everyone what all you do? Uh, yes, I do. I curate and produce events, so Bitchcraft was an event that uh, is produced by me, and um, I I'm also a sculptor, a sculptor, and a performer. I have modeled as well in a few fashion shows. I walked New York Fashion Week last year mm. and Austin Fashion Week recently. And I'm a creator with many different hats. And I love everything that I do. I'm a body painter, makeup artist, You're costume missing. designer. <laughs> A multi-talented human being, like you are so amazing. And when we, whenever we welcome someone black to the show, we have to test their black card, okay? (laughs) So we are going to start with icebreaker game. If anyone has played Taboo, again, I know you guys love, love, love this game. Um, But we're going to play a game called Discretion, which is basically Taboo. If you played it, I have to say I can, um, I can't say certain words on the card, and I'm trying to get you to guess. Oh, all right. Okay. So I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. Let's see. Um, And then go through these things. Don't be looking because we're we're really close. (laughs) And yeah. So let's let me see. I'm going to wait for it a little bit. See. And you ready? Uh, I think so. Yes. Okay. Go. Okay. This is a singer from back in the day. Um, Marvin Gaye. Some... Yes, okay. Let's see. This is what black people make in the morning time. It's like soupy, kind of, and you can, black people always argue over what you put inside of it. Yes. Okay, this was like back in the day, and all type of brown, us people, used to get together and talk to each other on it, but it was just for us. Okay, earth is what? Brown? No, what it, what it, what it actually is it? It's like a Earth is a Earth, Pluto, Mars. What are those? Planet. Okay, and it's what are we? What color are we? Black. Okay, put that together. Black planet. Yes. Okay, I couldn't think of anything. Where the fuck was I? You don't know. You never heard of black? Oh, we have to keep going. We have to keep going. Okay. Um, I'm hissing inside. This person has all of the drugs. They are the Plugs. yes. Oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. Um. We are mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in a 90s kind of world. You don't know this show? Oh, my God. We're, we should revoke your black card right now. Okay, not Tupac, but... Biggie? Yes. Okay, okay. Let's see. Okay, we got a couple seconds left. Let's see. Um, When you are booked and busy, you in your... Hmm... You carry things in this. Bang. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, this is a show with 
two. I can't see any of those words. I'm going to skip it. Okay, I have like 20 <laughs> seconds left. Let's see. Little black, not boys, but. Girls. Okay, we put this in there. Afros when we do, after we do it. Not the afro, but like once you. Ocean. No, it's like these little bitty. Um, beads. Yes, yeah. but but no no no, but it's 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 a type of those. Barrette. Yes yes yes. Okay okay, we're done we're done. That was good. <laughs> okay, the good. TV show is always gonna be hard Living for me. Single? I didn't. Oh, I never had cable, so oh it was like God. hit and miss. I've never seen Living Single, but I know that. I know oh, we see, you. Why would you testing me on that? Because, because you know, know the, the opening. Because you know the opening. I would have got that. <laughs> you would have got, got it the same reason why I would have cultural osmosis. Okay. Yeah, okay. So I feel that. I feel that I should have known that, but I still don't. Like there was some TV shows that just missed me completely. Did you watch Martin? I did. I did. Oh, that missed me. Uh, missed me completely. No. Well, and I don't think it's funny. You know what? And I was about to say, let's we can unpack that soon because People I still love it. I still I do not. And it's like a part of my childhood that I actually could have done without because of how black women were depicted. Okay, the minstrels. Um, it's minstrel shows. I, oh my. I, there are so many levels that I could get on mm -hmm. about that. So there were some things that I got. I wish that I didn't. Because um, it some taught us how to hate ourselves and it taught us like that other people could make fun of us. And oh, we they could were ridicule the us. And we were the joke. No, absolutely. I, absolutely. And I hated that. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was definitely something that was used to perpetuate anti-blackness mm -hmm. in, in our community. Colorism. The, mm. uh, like the fact that Martin Speak was so it. into Gina. Um, and and hated also, Pam. Oh, God. And Pam was a baddie. The fact that I thought Pam was so ugly growing up, that taught us that. That taught us that. Not only was she ugly, but undesirable. Okay. That everything she said was a nuisance and an egg. And let's be real. Gina, you would pick me if you letting your... Yo, Man, no, talk to real. your friend like this. For real, but that's also where like we can see the effects of colorism and we can see how it's perpetuated because of shows like that. Mm -hmm. Was because that is still a very light skinned behavior. Mm-hmm. Till this day. Is to weaponize this day. You, how you look. Like your and being pretty and light skinned mm -hmm. is another motherfucking thing. Mm -hmm. But even if you're not pretty and light skinned, you're gonna be treated different. And then like there's like this whole attitude that a lot of light-skinned people have adopted like well of course i'm going to be picked and of course you deserve this kind of treatment and mm -hmm. you should just let it go because that's just how things are like you're sensitive when you stand up for yourself it's wild that's crazy mm -hmm. um, and it's something i think we touched about like who feels safe in your circle and shit uh, and martin was one of those where i had to unlearn I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't watch Martin. I never thought oh, Martin was too. funny, and I'm just like. And you still not going to. Okay. But well, I mean, Tyler Perry, you going to. See. Okay, but it's not about Martin. It's about you. Okay, uh, okay. got this. <laughs> what is your preferred name and pronouns? Uh, okay, so I got this as, as an artist and entertainer. My chosen name is Ngosi, which is Igbo for blessing. It was passed down mm. by my grandma. Uh, but if you do not know me, you address me as Gothis. <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. I know that's right. Okay, and how old were you when you like came out, and what was your journey in, into your identity? Uh, well, my sexual orientation, I had always told my parents I was bisexual or lesbian. Um, from a young age? From a very young age, oh, actually. I love that for you. From, from a very young age. Well, it didn't go well. But oh. from a very young age, I also asked some questions about gender expression, and I was always met with disgust and ridicule. Um, I would ask questions like, well, if you're born a girl, 
you act like a boy, you think you're a boy. And you like somebody who's born a boy that acts like a thinks they're a girl. What does that mean? Are you straight or gay? My parents are always like, what the fuck are, are you, you talking about? about? You are disgusting. My, my, bless her heart. She has apologized for this now. But um, I say bless your heart because it doesn't hurt less. But um, she didn't have the language and the ability to even address that and understand what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And the best that she could do was to try to shame me mm-hmm. into not asking those questions anymore, not further like going down that road and investigating it. But when I was 29, I shed that completely and was like, well, no, I'm non-binary, been knowing that. Mm-hmm. And I am pansexual, but I also am sick of the patriarchy. And I know that I was never happy or safe there. And so there's just some people I'm not going to be attracted to. And that's okay. And now I'm married. I have a wife, a uh, spouse. She goes by she, they, so... Yeah, we outside now. Okay, I love that, and I'm like, is this like a millennial thing? Because I am meeting a lot, people, a lot of people who are our age who came out. I came out when I was 29. I'm 31 now. I came out two years ago when I moved to New York. So, I just found out that out about you just right before this, and I'm like, oh, like excited because it's it's something so unique and weird about the fact that it took us not quote unquote this long, but like we were like at this age like no you either gonna be with it or not like you can either be in my life or i was like you're gonna be here in my life and accept this or you just won't accept it no seriously my family was like all right girl yeah (laughs) literally my family was like i don't even know how to address this um but over time like it's been three years for me how old am i i'm 32 it's been three years for me going on four and uh it was difficult for my parents my father says well i've always known my child who they really are i just didn't know how to talk about that i love that um yeah me too it's a lot better my mom is saying very similar was like i just wasn't even strong enough to be there for me wasn't strong enough to be there for you and has apologized that's good but i think that there was a sense of awareness that a lot of us had and um, something i talk about often is that Sometimes that awareness or that enlightenment, that level up, it is a cause of radicalization. It's like an effect of radicalization. And I think that a lot of the things that we've experienced from a young age, like 9-11, I think that a lot of these like big traumatic near-death experiences to us, right? They were like, well, the world is crumbling and falling apart. I deserve joy. I deserve to be myself. Mm -hmm. Mine as well, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think that that carries and levels up and has for this generation because we're just like if it's going to be one trauma after the other if it's going to be one big scary event after the other i might as well be myself i might as well live whatever days i'm going to have with joy love and acceptance or nothing Mm -hmm. i deserve better and i think that a lot of people in our age are realizing what we can receive and what we can give right I think that being my authentic and true self is the best way to like lead my son. It's the best way to lead other people who might be looking or whatever, but it was the best way to lead my parents as well. Now they're understanding the language. Now they're mm-hmm. understanding, well, I want to be there for my child and this is how to do it. And they're able to be there for other people who are gender expansive, other people who are queer. Um, and since I came out, my dad's like, I volunteer at the Pride Parade now. And, <laughs> yeah. wow. and my mom is a recording artist who lives in L.A. And both of my oh parents my are from Southern God. California. So like, my dad is from Compton. Very s- s- like small circle, close-minded, 
and like they thug it you know what i'm saying so they're they come from a diff like a so totally different place from where like my mother's family from they're all like military related and hyper religious and was always traveling around so by the time she was in paramount and then my dad who's from compton we're like two cities away in mm -hmm. la um they there was like two different worlds my mom was the bougie anti-ghetto situation mm. my dad was very much like all the things that she was kind of against okay and so having those two things they're my ancestors they're my elders they're my parents right so having these two kind of roots and they're having two understandings of what blackness is what queerness is where it comes from and feeling like that was not allowed because they're they were both living in two different kind of forms of assimilation like two different worlds hell. yeah like my dad's family was like well blackness is supposed to look like this mm -hmm. you need to know this and you need to act like this and my mom's family was like you need to do your hair and don't dance like that and don't talk like that and don't say this and you know but both of them agreed don't be gay what <laughs> <laughs> they didn't come together on listen <laughs> they was like that's that, that that's shit ain't that, cool that's that demon <laughs> shit they did not like that so seeing their evolution just because i decided to stay myself um it's very beautiful but i think now i'm seeing that more and more with our age group mm -hmm. because of all the other shit that's going on and we're like shaking our parents wake up mm -hmm. wake up mm -hmm. because all of that was indoctrination anyway yeah coming from the same helping people you anyway you. exactly uh, yeah mm -hmm. one thing that i heard you say and i love and which is why my show is called breed a black sheep is because being a black sheep and standing against the norm hetero norm um you subconsciously give people the freedom to do the same like oh, you teach them we learn a lot from our parents but you can learn a lot from your children. Like I'm learning every day from my child. The oh. most we were just talking about yeah. <laughs> my oldest, who y'all hear from later in the episode. Um, I learned so much from her because I'm forced to, I'm forced to have to watch the world through her lens mm -hmm. and her to rebel and fight for what she believes is right for herself. Um, and I don't know everything and she don't know everything. Clearly mm -hmm. you ain't been here that mm -hmm. long girl, but <laughs> it, I love to hear you you say how much you know you changed your parents world because i've changed my mom's scope of of everything and seeing her how she is with my niece and other queer folk who get to come up because i have a huge family right now i'm the only openly queer person in my entire huge family in austin the only so now the younger kids coming up are like yeah i am i'm this oh. That's and now my mom is like, okay, now I know what to do because I had to go with that. I had to struggle with that one. That is <laughs> amazing. That's very beautiful. And I completely agree with you about being like the black sheep and like being an inspiration for people to live their authentic lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm really proud of you. I just wanted to say that. Thank like, you. I can only imagine how scary that was um, because same, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my sister is queer, but it's not as open right mm -hmm. like because she's not like in a committed relationship or anything like that so it's not as transparent to the rest of the family but they know but yes i'm the oldest and uh so i'm the oldest grandchild great-grandchild and yeah mm -hmm. i was uh, from a young age like i said i was asking these questions and the other family members were like keep them away from them <laughs> keep our kids away mm -hmm. from them because they're gonna change their mind and stuff like that but now now I got cousins who are out, married with kids, and, you know, they're younger. They're about 10 years younger than me, so they're like 23, 24. The 
openly gay and married with kids and graduating clear being outside and just being like i love them, that for their us. true selves i truly love that for us and also being a black sheep in other ways too i was not only very vocal about how much i hated the government and uh what's indoctrination what's not and things in history that we don't need to repeat but i also am like the first person in both sides of my family that went to recovery for alcohol and uh, i'm eight years recovered from alcohol congratulations thank you thanks so much my um my father started to recognize his patterns and is doing shit about it for my mom who's just now quitting drinking she's so proud of herself i'm so proud of her shout out to your parents no for real for real my parents are my kids okay yeah i love them i tell them i'm proud of them love that too it's like you know i wouldn't do some of the shit you still do it but at the end of the day i see for you a future of joy it seemed like they weren't able to access that at all which i think that you can recognize too Mm -hmm. Um, and also my wife my wife is carrying the mantle on her side too because they have openly queer and gay people in their family but a lot of them are in similar cycles with alcoholism etc my wife's been recovered for three years now and uh now other people in her family are like maybe i should quit drinking Mm -hmm. and maybe i'll be able to be happy like dc or something like that and being able to inspire our especially our family through joy and self-love like self-care like i love myself so much and i'm realizing that drinking is fucking me up so i'm gonna stop doing that and show myself that i love myself show myself that i have trust in myself and shit and uh to do that and be able to witness and be a part of the experience of my parents doing it i have a sister who is gone through recovery as well and just it's just like a new world or something like that i don't know like a I love that, and I love that this is like, uh, like coming back around or like a whatever it's called, full circle, full circle yeah. moment. Because I quit this, yeah. I I just on my whole last episode I talked about this. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you see, yeah, I know. I was, I, listening oh to you, I'm gosh, just like, this coming. I just quit on New Year's. I just had a whole episode talking about this. Thank you, thank you. Now, I ain't gonna lie, the first 20 days, and I'm proud of you. you thank know, this you. Is hard work. Well, and maybe I don't give myself enough credit because it doesn't feel that hard to me because I never really liked alcohol, but I have so much social anxiety. Even like now, I'd, I'd probably have to take a shot before coming to talk to you because when I'm talking, I overthink everything that I'm saying. I'm so self conscious. You know, black children who grow up and be criticized for every little thing. Mm-hmm makes you so overcritical of yourself it it, it never goes away or maybe it does i don't know healing isn't linear so i would drink to cope with my anxiety i had so much anxiety so i was like you know what i'm not i never drank so so much like i never like i would say i didn't have a quote-unquote problem but it is a problem so like i i never like i didn't drink a whole bunch of um days in a row or anything like that but um I just didn't like how I felt when I would drink. I never really liked how alcohol felt. I didn't like not remembering what happened. I already have a bad memory. I was spaced out. I'm a lightweight. It would take three drinks for me not to remember. I'm just like, um, so I was like, I want to learn how to do things without depending on alcohol. And that's why. It seems to me like you wanted to remove alcohol from your ritual of the work that you do. Yeah. Like being able for us to talk to each other and 
I mean, I met you at an event at Bitchcraft, and there was there was people there, and the topics were a little heavy, and sometimes that can trigger people to be like, oh my gosh, do I need to be in a comfort space? And I'm I'm really proud of you. Thank you. It is very is very challenging to try to have emotions raw, it like is. raw dog in life, especially fear. Uh, raw dog. Holy in life. shit! Yes. Holy shit! Like. You know, Mm-hmm. That's really but that's a perfect segue because I want to <laughs> talk about Bitchcraft. So I met you at this amazing event you hosted. Had no idea what we what I was walking into. My friend Elena took me there, and I'm like, oh, all right. I'm born and raised in Austin. Left Austin two two and a half years ago because there was no queer community. So to walk into this queer black community and the host get on the mic and immediately immediately say like, I'm a nigga and I'm always a nigga, and I'm like. <laughs> Who is this person? Like, I don't get to escape being a nigga. So all you white people, like, you yeah. went in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, by the end of the event, I was in tears. Like, I, I was experiencing this sober. I had never been to event without drinking. I had never, like, I was just like, this, it was such, it was so beautiful. It reminded me, like, when you come back and you move back home, there is things to do. There is people to look forward to. There is community here from you. Um, But, you specifically said this, and I wanted to, us to deep dive into this. Um, you were like, I am not a nice person, so I want you all to know that. And I have been reading this book called Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall. Um, and let me read to you a quote that she says. She says, I'm a feminist, mostly. I'm an asshole, mostly. I say these, I say these things because they are true. And in doing so, the fact that I am the, and, and in doing so, the fact that I am not nice is often brought up. And it's true. I'm not really a nice person. I am at times a kind person, but nice. Nope. Not unless I'm dealing with people I love, the elderly and small children. Uh-huh. Um, what's the difference? I am always willing to help someone in need, whether I know them or not. But niceness is more than helping. It is stopping to listen, to connect, to be gentle with your words. I reserve nice for people who are nice to me or for those who I know need it because of their circumstances. Absolutely. Um, we are constantly fighting against the like angry woman trope, angry like yeah. black black people are angry. So why was it important for you to say that at this event? Um, and what does that mean to you? For me, um, first of all, hood feminism, everybody read it. Everyone, <laughs> everyone go read, read it. it. <laughs> everyone read it. Um, and definitely this book helped me better understand like my space where I am because like I was talking about with my parents, my upbringing, trying to figure out ways to combat the anti-blackness that was instilled in me, but also be my authentic self, which means that I had to shed the image and the idea that my life was to be in servitude to others mm. and i'm the mm. oldest child and my mom wasn't isn't my mom struggled with alcohol my mm-hmm. entire life so it was an absent parent although she was there and yeah she's apologized i'm gonna say that a couple times in case she hear this mm-hmm. and i forgive you mom but at the end of the day i was raising a bunch of other people's kids i was always very responsible for the food i had to feed everybody everybody homework and i was a gifted kid so my mom felt like i could have this responsibility so my mom allowing me to have it hold it keep it and maintain it my entire childhood growing up it was too natural for me to feel like my job my existence was to be in servitude to others Mm. if somebody needed help i'm gonna help them even if i don't know them and i love that naturally i care about the wellness of others but I now know better to measure my energy. And I don't have to save or help 
everyone at all. And I think that the truest way to be kind to somebody is to be honest. If I don't mm. fuck with you, Thanks. I'm not going to act like I do. I don't want you to have false hopes and expectations out of me. I want to know my limits and I don't want to overextend myself. I don't want to say I'm going to help you and I cannot mm -hmm. and I fall short because that's disappointing for you. And it makes me feel bad that I didn't keep my word. And if I ain't got nothing, I got my word. Mm -hmm. I got my, I got me, right? Mm -hmm. So I can't keep giving out pieces of me that aren't for others. I don't want to overextend myself. And I don't want to lie to you. I'll be rude with you. If I don't like you, I need to let you know. If I don't like that energy, that vibe, I don't fuck with what you're doing, I need to let you know because that's how I can be in servitude to myself. I want to serve myself by making sure that the energy and the aura and the cipher that I have around me is beneficial to anybody else who might step into it as well and i think the best way to do that is to be real with who you are what you want what you expect so that people know oh uh, this is too much for me and they step the fuck okay. out okay let the trash take itself out be real with who you are what you want and expect out of the people you're interacting with like i'm sharing my energy with people they're sharing their energy with me i see for other people their ability to be like this don't be nice to everybody be kind enough to say, you're not my type. Mm -hmm. Be kind enough to say, that's I kindness. I don't, I don't agree with what you have going on. We have to disagree about human rights. You're not mm -hmm. my friend. You're mm -hmm. not in my circle, mm -hmm. period. And so that's why I say that to people. Stop telling people I'm nice because they think that they can come up and just hug me. I think you were there. Well, I was going to say, I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> and people really And when know, I walked up like, to oh you, gosh, I asked job. you if I could hug you. You did. So I did. Elena. I asked and Elena. Elena looked at me like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> a hug. And then that white man came up. And right. Was like, after great job trying to give me money. First of all, tell me great first job. First of all, y'all, a white that man that was not like, Heard was the music invited. on the street and just like, hey, in. I'm I'm invited to this queer black space. Yes. And then go ahead. What Even did, after what did everything do? I said on the mic. After everything you said on the mic, this white he drunk still man. came up with a dollar in his hand mm -hmm. or something. It was like, oh, well, mm -hmm. the show was great. Great job. And proceeded Grabbing to grab you. me to hug me. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, no. You kept setting boundaries in the conversation. And he kept, being, he kept, he kept trying to overwalk them to the point where he was like, oh, I understand mm -hmm. that this is not my space. Mm -hmm. And he had to walk mm -hmm. away. Because I was like, and he, he introduced himself after I said, no, don't touch me without my permission. And like, don't do that. You need to ask people before you hug them. And it was such a beautiful moment for me because it was one of those moments where anyone in my family, if I were you, would have told me, you didn't have to be rude. He meant well because he was a meant well type of white person. So what does no, meaning uh, okay, well mean okay. to me and my well, boundaries? So are we understanding what that really means? What that really means? Because well, I know what meant, that means. Yeah, I was about exactly. to say, if people mean well, they need to learn to, to exactly. show that, mm -hmm. right? Because and we always give white people the benefit of the doubt. That's I what not. mean well me, and that's what I enjoyed about that whole oh, no. exchange. I was standing there <laughs> like, days is over. Oh my god, it didn't it didn't matter that he was quote unquote being nice, that he was a mean well, and I, I'm I'm saying that with I don't yeah. think he actually meant well, yeah, but I'm saying exactly. most people would think, oh, he came oh, to well, support. Oh, he was nice. He, he gave was, you a compliment. Give a gave fuck. you a dollar. Oh. I don't give a Wait, damn. Uh, so is that really what That's we're doing? We're exchanging our do. boundaries for nice words. Y'all really want to be liked that much? Give me a dollar. And and see, that's the least you can do. That was a part we're of my it. growth, too. It's like, I don't want to be liked. I don't Love actually it. care anymore how I'm perceived. Mm -hmm. I perceive myself completely different from how other people perceive me. But there was a time where I was like, I have to be nice. Don't know who's going to step on any toes. Oh, don't don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. Mm -hmm. I do feel like 
there are graceful ways to tell someone to fuck off. And you did. And and you didn't even tell him to fuck off. You just set boundaries that he could not respect. He couldn't respect he could to not. the point where he was like, oh, I need to fuck off mm-hmm. and walked away. Still had his dollar though. <laughs> um, because I truly believe that nice teaching moment. people boundaries is a service. I was and I do deserve to be paid for that. Mm-hmm. And I am paid for that in other ways. So mm-hmm. I am also a sex worker. Um, but a different kind now. I kind of like had this graduation type situation where it's mostly um, domination or teaching people. In my eyes, is teaching people how to be a better human. Right? They, Some people desire humiliation or shame. But I personally think that it's supposed to be different like shame is not necessarily the best motivator to change into a healthier person mm-hmm. and so when people are looking for these services i think that there's a way to exchange that so that they can understand better boundaries how to be respectful and how to learn mm-hmm. um and so as got this even on the mic sometimes or off the mic sometimes i feel like that carries into my work um in a less intimate way where they're still learning boundaries and how to be respectful they are getting a little embarrassed along the way but i'm teaching them like you do not just randomly hug people even if you're giving them a compliment you need to understand how to respect a real bitch in their place Mm -hmm. you see me talking you say excuse me and you ask me if i would like to be touched or if i would like a hug Mm -hmm. you should do that with every person not just the bitch that's painted red that hosted the show Mm -hmm. not just somebody who had a microphone or performing any person you approach Mm -hmm. and this white man is probably gonna have to remember that moment you're like oh i guess i should really ask black people i I should ask people before Mm -hmm. i just come up and hug them Um, especially as a white person hugging a black person because i asked you and i don't even i i felt such a connection with you when i saw you on stage the things you were saying because i don't hear people say the things that i say i don't hear people as radical as i am about change like so when i got off the stage i wanted to hug you so bad but like it immediately popped in my head. Hold up. They don't know you. You need to ask them if you, if, if they actually want to hug. Yeah. It, it it automatically, no one taught me that. It was just like boundaries. I know I don't want people just coming up and I get overstimulated. I don't like a lot of people touching me sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so I asked you and you were, and if you had said, it no, I'm not a hugger, so happy, I would not have been, a, I, I promise you. I'm getting chills. Me too. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you recognize, but also, also when you ask people, for me personally, something goes off where I'm like, oh my gosh, you respect me enough as a person to know that you can't just come and pet me. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, and I definitely think that whenever white people cross that boundary or don't understand or recognize it, and they just immediately go to touch you, even if it's to tap you, mm-hmm. be like, hey, great job. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not a dog. Mm-hmm. And I know y'all, nig- y'all motherfuckers love dogs. Mm-hmm. Not your nigga, not your dog. Do not pet me without mm-hmm. permission. But even... Even then, this is another form of like recognition of what racism is. Even then, most white people be like, oh my God, can I pet your dog? They'll ask to pet your dog, but will come what? and grab you and hug it's you without permission. Entitled to you. That so shows that they got more respect for animals than us. I mean, we well, know that, that has been proven. Now we and that's know why that. I love to take the opportunity to be like, oh no, you will not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you will not. It's not your fault that you can't recognize a bad bitch when you see one. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what's going on here. But you will learn today. Mm-hmm. I'm getting paid to be here. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but when people go, can I hug you? I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, because I do love hugs. And I feel like if you 
if you ask him, I feel a vibe. I'm like, yes. Because I felt the vibe. I felt like I, we were going to hug, but I'm like, ugh. And that's I want to make me sure. too. I was like, let me make sure. And then you were, you were like, yeah. And Elena's <laughs> eyes are like, hug me. But I still said, can I hug you? And Elena said, yeah. So, like, that's what I'm talking about. I want, I want other people to know that I care first. Mm-hmm. And not everybody, even a hug doesn't feel like a form of appreciation or love to everybody. Hugs can feel very restrictive to some people. Mm-hmm. So if you're going for restriction to somebody you don't know, you don't know how they're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't know how that makes their bodies tense up. And yeah. Feel, oh and that goes into what you're saying about feeling like overstimulated or overwhelmed when people touch you. Um, sometimes, uh, do you ever feel like an exchange of energy as well? Always. I'm an empath. Oh, mm. child. Mm-hmm. I think that that it also goes hand in hand with being like neurodivergent as well. Mm-hmm. My being, daughter is. Being, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. being neurodivergent, black My people. My youngest. And being a little bit more sensitive, but also sometimes we see things way more objectively than maybe some other people, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, wait, I was taught that justice was this, and if you do this, then this happens or whatnot. How are all these same people been telling me about the rules of respect and consent and manners? They never use it. Mm. And so when they come to me with a sense of entitlement, wanting to grab me, I'm feeling their spiritual exchange i'm feeling some kind of like oh this is my body i have ownership or claim it to it even if they don't understand it i don't appreciate that i don't want that Mm -hmm. i rebuke that actually and then there's this part of like i'm seeing something a little bit more black and white or objectively than they are and i think it's because of the years of masking and Mm -hmm. having to figure out how to like flow in this world mm. but also trying to do that with a black and white understanding mm. like my emotions i'm not perceiving them the same way that they're trying to say and i'm not showing them in the same way that i truly feel mm. because of the objective thinking and i think that that's my neurodivergence mm. i think still and so that's why i'm like wait <laughs> y'all was trying to tell black people for literally centuries how we supposed to act, but y'all ain't got no decorum. Mm. Y'all ain't got that no sense That was more about keeping us in place than anything else. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. And well, so I love mm-hmm. when I get to kind of level the playing field a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm like, wait, I thought we were supposed to. Especially well, in my. What in happened my to etiquette, you mm-hmm. thugs? Mm-hmm. You said that too. <laughs> I said, y'all don't know thugs. how to act. <laughs> <laughs> y'all are happy, burn shit down. <laughs> y'all are mad, burn shit down, but. As soon as we stand up for civil rights, oh, they're looters. Mm, they the thugs, mm. they're ruining their own community. Mm. But, like, we literally have witnessed y'all do, the <laughs> do that. The rules are ever changing for these people. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was, oh, okay, hosting, because we were talking about Ooh, yeah. when you were hosting. What is your favorite part about hosting? What What's hard about hosting? Because not only did you host, you performed. Which yeah. Oh my God. I'm like, Why how do could do you do so so amazing at hosting and then go right into performing? I was like, um, I mean, I was truly blown away. I was truly blown away. So, yes. Just this question actually makes me nervous. It's so funny. I'm starting to. Good. Um, just, um, <laughs> well, to be honest, when I'm like not got this, I am a very nervous person. Really? Actually, yeah. And I think, I don't know if it's anxiety. I, I, I like it is definitely, but. It has to be something else because I feel like I'm like I'm a vessel, right? So when I dress up and I do the ritual to get myself into being got this, um, 
I feel more ready, right? I'm like, I open myself up. I'm like, universe, use me how you will. Mm. Let the art flow through me. Let me do what I'm supposed to do. But it's still so difficult to separate like the human from the gothics <laughs> because hosting is so, so much. And I find the joy of being able to inspire other people, show them that many things are possible. Like I'm a parent, I'm recovered, I'm over 30. And I live this life of art. I don't have a corporate job. I work for myself and have been for 10 years. I love that for you. Before I was sober, if I can do it, we can literally all do it. And I love so. I for you so much. Thank you. I hate my job. Team, quit your job. <laughs> Anyways. I wish I, c- I wish I could facilitate that for everybody. But I know the best way to teach people and hold them is to do it. Right. And mm-hmm. so for a lot of times. Like, I'm not going to say I work less hours, for sure, because I'm always trying to, like, make sure that I am gigging enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of, like, different nuances with working for yourself, but also being able to decide what you can and cannot do and how to represent yourself. A lot of times when you're working for a company or a business, you're having to represent them. For me, as a host, I get to represent Godfest and what I intend to express as Godfest. I think that about my performances as well, because I combine all the parts of myself. Like, I let them know, even though I'm body painted black, mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't a form of like escape for me. This is a level up. This is like stepping into like a higher self. So that uh, combined with teaching people and also stepping into my favorite or higher self, that is my favorite part about hosting and performing is that that's the joy for me like being able to witness and behold my power that i'm normally removed from when i'm not just yet (laughs) i guess you are like it's almost like it is and this is no slight to who you are right now but it's almost like you're two different people truly like like oh my god it's almost like like beyonce and sasha fierce okay situation well beyonce yeah okay virgos oh my god yes Truly, one of my favorite podcasts, Crystal from the Read is Virgo, too. And oh my God, I see it. The power. That's the thing. We're I, sorry, I and you're along. welcome. Virgos are my least favorite <laughs> sign. No, and I'm it's because Virgos <laughs> usually do not like Leos. We're all over the place. Virgos are very structured, they take themselves very seriously. Oh. And I think Leos are just like a mess. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Because in my head, I'm like, you. if you love yourself and you love attention that much, baby, you should fan your flames. But maybe that's because I'm like healer Virgo. Okay. I want to see what makes you happy. And most Leos I know, they want to feel loved and held and cared for. And to some people, they're like, oh, they just want attention. But okay, so what if you do? I think this is Virgo as a a performer and healer type shit. I love Virgos. I I admire Virgos and their etiquette. My dad is Virgo, so I was raised by Virgo. Yeah. Sorry, not a masculine Virgo. (laughs) Them motherfuckers will put you out. Well, I mean men. Men to any sign. Um, No. That motherfucker. <laughs> my daddy is. Love you, daddy. My daddy is something else. My God. Yo, um, yo. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? You were just telling me you hosted a gig last night. I asked that question oh. because you were saying, like, why was this, the gig so tough for you last night? When does hosting become, oh, like, yeah. kind of. 
Because well, it, it seems so easy for you when I watch you. I, I've been hearing this from people, and I'm like, I'm actually always a nervous wreck. It's like right before it happens, like my knees are weak. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to faint and shit. And that's, that's when I'm really like, oh, okay, this is like a seance type situation where I'm like, okay, God, then step in, please. <laughs> um, and it's always like at the moment where I feel like I'm going to faint. And uh, last night I hosted my monthly show called Sappho Songs. It's a sapphic and lesbian-oriented show. Sapphics of all gender expressions welcome. Mm-hmm. But we use these terms because a lot of the queer spaces are very much dominated still by masculine energy mm. uh, penile mm. energy mm-hmm. and they definitely are allowing us to be in this space mm-hmm. sometimes but not celebrating us mm-hmm. we deserve spaces and queer communities where we're celebrated on purpose intentionally for us so yes we'll allow the penile energy but it's to celebrate us because mm. a lot of times when we see drag we see also a lot of people excluded from what drag really is when i think of drag i just think of white men which is really sad that's all i see because drag was not even invented by, by white, white men, men. <laughs> drag wasn't popularized by white i mean rupaul you could do better but there's <laughs> so many things <laughs> There's so many things. I, I don't even know if we ready for that shit. No, Y'all are not it. ready for the diatribe on last night? That is a pick me. That is a coon. A coon? That is a mother. That motherfucker. He pisses me off. I don't know this if you've mother- ever seen him. And, oh. This I'm motherfucker not, no. has a look and a confederate flag. That's just say everything we his, need to say. His room, like all the people he, he um, hired, they're all white. Okay, whatever. It's not about him. So what happened last night that was so hard for you? But, <laughs> okay well a lot of the things that are challenges for me that i have to face like the challenges last night stem from people like rupaul perpetuating harmful actions that white people have done against the black mm. community and then trying to capitalize off of it so like in late mm. stage capitalism we are still we are recognizing more so the monetization of racism and oppressive systems because of people like rupaul yeah. Like misogynoir, heavy, heavy on that, mm-hmm. and people making money banking on that shit. So last night, a little sweetheart was way too drunk and kept interrupting the show. And like the first time I said, okay, sweetie, like, all right, I'm glad you have a good time, but what's not going to happen, you, you're not going to interrupt They're me. They're white. At this show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I literally do not have this have problem with other people. I really <laughs> don't, though. Like, if I did, I'd be like, oh, well, this one time. Mm-hmm. But I really don't. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's why it's I like, know. you know, so many people have that conversation. Oh, well, those same kind of things happen everywhere. And First of all, why are y'all even saying, oh, my God, that's cool behavior right there. Unless they white, then I already know. But, <laughs> I mean, that that's exactly it. That's, like, that's what it is to exist in general. Because it's not like we can move to another country and experience anything else. Like, even a lot of African countries are... Think about that. I want to go back to Africa so much, and they are still very... It's illegal for me to exist there. Mm -hmm. Not only... Like, South Africa is, like, one of the only countries that actually has laws that protect trans people. There's a lot of white people there. (laughs) (laughs) They still be acting like trans and shit. They do. And apartheid (sighs) just ended. Like, we had... The civil rights movement in 1965 was 60 years ago. Their apartheid movement was 1996 or some shit. So they... It's like yesterday. But then you had to think they're the only country out of 54 that has laws that protect trans people on purpose. Like, there are 
queer communities in every African country that are facing erasure um, and all that to say that even with all of that it's always white folks that I got to check mm. for interrupting me <laughs> and yeah. trying to center themselves in spaces that aren't for them because not only was it a white person always. but it was a white person that was cis male Man. and so Two the events in a row the first time I was like okay baby but don't do that again mm -hmm. the second time I was like nah for real who who are you with on the mic I gotta be like no like this who isn't is he with by himself bless his heart mm -hmm. but he was he was too lit I want people to have a good time and just because I'm recovered doesn't mean like people can't drink yeah but and that's what I was saying I said like, when you start to drink that's your behavior that's who you are it's just your drinking made you bold enough to do it that's who you is. I agree to that to a certain extent because I also understand very well that like magic practitioners and like spiritual practitioners use alcohol as a form to make themselves more like a vessel. Like they called alcohol spirits for a long time for a mm -hmm. reason. There's a reason why you pour yeah, out on an altar. There's a reason why you pour mm -hmm. out libations. There's a reason why alcohol is used in a lot of spiritual rituals right so i really think that the spirituality of alcohol has been removed because of capitalism and our culture and i truly believe that a lot of people when they drink too much they open themselves to be used as a vessel mm. period and who they are and their predispositions make it easier for certain entities to be like all right well you kind of wanted to do this anyways let's just see what happens mm. so i do think it's a combination of who they really are and their ability to be primed and used by whatever energy is around. Mm. And so that's why when people are too lit, one, duh, TABC and like regulations and shit, it's like, oh, cut them off, don't cut lose your liquor off. license. <laughs> but also at some point I'm like, you need to respect yourself mm -hmm. because you're at a point where you're allowing your body to be ridden. Mm -hmm. You're being rode right now, mm -hmm. you're getting rode hard. You need to go home. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, it was like the second time I was like, all right, that was enough. And why somebody went to security and they said, we'll see if it's worth it. When I tell you on the mic, I said, a staff member needs to come here right the fuck now. Right now. Wait, what? Because it was like one of the people at the show went to the door. People was like, uh, there's somebody really drunk and I think they need and to they go. And they said, we'll see if it's we worth it. We will go see if it's worth it. And that and really pissed me off because all it takes is a white woman saying, I'm bothered for everybody to oh, have actually, to be kicked out. Last night it was actually a white woman. Really? Yeah, but it was and a white it was a white what? Man. Woman. Oh, who wait. went and told. I do think that misogyny is still wild and rampant in queer communities. So a white woman went and told went oh. and told and said, Hey, mm. there's a drunk guy mm. in here still a woman. and he's mm. making us uncomfortable. Mm. It's a woman it's at a black femme show. <laughs> like, I'm non-binary, but they still perceive me how they perceive uh, me. Man. And so I had to, on the mic, assert dominance in a way that I was not getting paid for that service. I'm getting paid to host. You're not a security guard. No, I'm not. Yeah. And also, a, in this moment, I'm not card. a dominatrix either. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not getting paid to publicly humiliate someone, I mean, that pays people's light bills. So That should so have been so enough. You know, so you know. <laughs> cuss people out for a thousand dollars i didn't get paid a thousand dollars last night and i was not about to cuss this white man out but i really needed them to escort it so i was just i, I made sure that. i took the time and space to let people know that this is a service and i'm not going to do it today this person needs to be removed right now or there will be a misunderstanding y'all it will be a misunderstanding and i don't care if you see me as angry 
I don't care. Maybe right. that stereotype needs to be in place mm -hmm. so that people can start asking why. Mm -hmm. Why are black women, mm -hmm. why are black people angry? They know. Well, they need to keep asking themselves mm -hmm. that question. They don't need to be in a place where they feel safe enough to expect us to not be angry. That's what I want. That's the thing. If you thought we were so angry, why are you keep trying us? Why are you not always on pins and needles around us? Like, that's why I'm like, it's a, that's just a thing y'all use to ignore our feelings. No, because exactly. you know good and goddamn well if I'm exactly. angry, why are you even trying and to bother know, me? And you know I, I ringed into some assholes at the end. I was just like, I don't think that I should have had to ask more than one time, mm -hmm. period. And mm -hmm. I want to feel respected in this space. And, and when shit like that happens, I don't. And it's like, at the end of the day, do I have to keep returning here? I do not. Exactly. If you're not going to fortify the safe space that I have already built, mm -hmm. then I don't need to share my energy here. So last night, it was like, excuse me, after having to tell this person and the third time they were out, it made the show even more challenging for me because I felt even more human. I felt like mm. got this as a dominatrix, <coughs> not got this as a divine entity mm. that's performing right now. That's not fair. Um, yeah. And... Did yeah, it, it was hard. Did you perform last night? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, uh, most shows that I host, I'm also performing. <laughs> How'd the performance go? Oh, the performances went um, pretty well. I don't feel like I did my usual. Like, I don't think I even split walk. I was just going to say, let's talk split walk. Oh, <laughs> my God, I can't believe you said that. Let's talk split walk. I'm sorry to cut you off, but let's talk split walk. I have never seen anything like that in my <laughs> life. No, you know, I've never been to a drag show. You know, I've been in. Oh, I have been to like two, but they were white. No, oh, um, in New York. Yes, in New York. You know, there's. You know, there's. You know, there's niggas. Oh, I'm in a whole black community in New York, but the the the. I will. I will. I will tell you where to go for black drag shows. Okay. I just did one in New York called Sylvester. What with Julie J. Oh my gosh. When was this? Oh my god. When were you in New York? September. I walked New York Fashion Week. And then before, and I was in Bushwick. Uh, I well, wish I, I was, was supposed to be in Bushwick. That's where I just moved from. Bushwick. And then, uh, oh, I like it there actually. I, I like to Bushwick visit a lot. Too. And then I was in New York in June as well. I performed out in if House you go of Yes. Again, oh my God! Of you course. have to show me. Absolutely, and I will be there. Oh my God! I will be there shortly. With oh you. yeah, House of Yes is amazing. That's where. That's where I like it. There. I've been. Yeah, like but they there. do have black performances too. But I have they only do. seen and they and they have black people as parts of casts as well. They don't have just one. Or no, two. They had, yeah. House they, they, House amazing. of Yes is blended and beautiful and fun. And if somebody says, hey, this made me uncomfortable, they check that shit immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, House of Yes, I've also done the Olympics there. Really? Yes. They have what's called Nasty Wednesdays, and they call it the Olympics. Oh and gosh. it's literally like sex workers and dancers. It's like a pop up club. Or I whatever. think I just went to one. I was watching someone get peed on. People were living. Okay, yeah. that was a different they event. But that was oh. a different event, and I know like did they, that. You know what I'm talking Actually, about? They were Ruby, hanging. Ruby Queen, who hosts Olympics, was the person pissing, pissing on Pissing Oh, my God, yes. it was great. It was yeah, really y'all got to follow Ruby. And then um, Jasmine Spice, uh, the wholesome hoe on Instagram. Follow her, too. So they in New York, and they're sex workers doing the motherfucking thing. And sometimes they're them. aligned to doing queer shows and showcases and shit like that. But... Um, yes, the splits but walk. But explain what the splits walk the is. The splits walk, I actually got that from like J set. And like, okay, white people call them high steppers and sometimes like color guard, but it's really, it was really like black cheer and dancers. I, I always wanted to be on a team, but I never felt like I could or was good enough. I was never a dancer or whatnot. And it was like seeing Prance and J sets 
just like with the confidence and mobility and flexibility like i saw this routine that i watched so many times and they were walking feeling themselves high kicks high kicks and then got into a split and then split walk towards the camera but all together as a fucking troop and i remember my whole soul going exactly correct affirmative this is who and what you are because it was powerful beautiful strong and a little scary it was these bitches were doing something that i i couldn't perceive in the moment and was like the power that we have the power and the ability and then also knowing that some of those things are done in the club in the strip club and i was a waiter in a strip club the clean area for a very long time for quite quite a little while um and uh i know now the language like not feeling comfortable with my body i was like i don't want to dance and show my titties because i don't really like i i like i have accepted my titties now but i don't see myself in the future having them you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i didn't know i was non-binary then all the dancers called me a stem because <laughs> mm-hmm. i was like a stem then yep, yep and now we know the language for it or whatnot but um i never felt strong enough or powerful or beautiful or etc enough to be a J set to be a cheerleader, to be a dancer, to be a sex worker. Even like I was taking like very little money for services. And I think I was also scared to be perceived. So when I became a performer in 2020, I was 29. When I became a performer, I decided to try to be strong enough to do what I'd like to do. All the things that made me, all the things that inspired me, I started working out every day, started stretching every day, I started practicing, and the splits walk was what I wanted and needed to master. (coughs) Um, And before I started performing, I never saw any other drag performer do it. I'm going to reiterate that. There has literally never been any other drag performer who split walked in their performances before I did it. So Mm -hmm. if you see it now, it is because I've got this. And I even going to hold y'all I'm, I'm that bitch mm-hmm. and they could try but i've got this and w- i'm seeing a lot of um that you were saying non-black or white performers have been co-opting it yes mm-hmm. uh and it's like as much as i want to name drop them and their like production because they have like a production so they're making money doing these moves mm-hmm. and stuff they, they always do that they co-opt black oh absolutely mm-hmm. and they're a white person who like teaches pole classes and stuff like that Excuse me. So they're not even like in the club like that anymore. Um, they're making money off of white people, teaching shit that they stole from black people. white people. They are using these moves, these dances, and this attitude while performing. Off. And yeah, this same production company, they're having an event in February that they told me in December I was supposed to be a part of or whatever. And this whole showcase is like 20 performers and two of them are black in February. Mm -mm. And the same producer is the person stealing my moves and just using them in troops and productions. I'm like, you don't even understand the cultural relevance Mm -hmm. of that. And not only that, you didn't know or decide to use that in any of your performances until you booked me. Mm -hmm. You, You had me on your show in July. Now I'm seeing clips and videos of you literally using not just not just that legs up, clacking the heels and shit. Oh, I love you when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but these white hoes is literally 
not only using these moves, but they're completely removed from the significance of them, the power that gives me personally, mm-hmm. and then they're making money on them. Mm-hmm. And white people get more opportunities, especially in Austin. Austin, Texas. Of course. But this oh, also goes know. to drag performers, too, because a lot of drag entertainers are using the foundation that black women and black femmes and black queer people, black trans women have set. There are a lot of drag performers you can see are literally imitating or trying to emulate a stereotype of black women when they are in drag. And so it's sometimes it's not even as personal as stealing a splits walk. Sometimes it's just like seeing facets of myself that are natural that they are wearing as a costume. You literally call so it's another identity. form of minstrelsy, mm-hmm. which you brought up before, mm-hmm. where a lot of times I feel like uh, these drag performers are just one step away from being a blackface performer. You're culturally appropriating. Doing like things like <coughs> this. And oh, no. And doing even this. And like no. not even understanding or knowing ballroom culture, not even understanding or knowing like. No, they're not. No, they are not hitting it. I'm shook. One time I was in Oakland. I was in San Francisco, California. It's called literally um, ballroom culture versus it actually just saying that's black culture. Yeah, it's not TikTok language and they call it. And it is A-A-V-E, you motherfuckers. You know how many people talk like me, especially like in Southern California and shit like that, military, like families or whatnot. How many people are really, really articulate, don't even use Ebonics, still are. Mm-hmm. Still our language. Don't don't do that. And yeah, like I said, American uh, vernacular. Uh, yeah, uh, yep. so, so many things. But yeah, the splits walk is very personal to me because it embodies the power and inspiration and confidence that I gained from pieces of my community, my surroundings that uplifted me. That was like fanning my flames. No, you should do this. You should go be a performer. You should. I started my sobriety journey in the club, at the strip club. I was like, I have to stop drinking. I can't do this. And the dancers was like, you better. You need to do good. You need to make sure you're charging for makeup. If you need models. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, Mm -hmm. if I reached out to a few of them, they would model for me and um, have done and uplifted me. And so it's like everything I learned in the club, everything I learned from my communities, I bring into my art, everything that I do. So, yeah, when I see uh, white people stealing my shit i actually do get salty yeah and at first i was like i need to just have grace and just act like hell no but you know the number one people who keep telling me oh it's just a dance move shake it off or don't be upset white folks Mm -mm. or men of course because they're the ones who benefit from doing that shit they can get away with that shit yeah Mm -mm. i hate that i do too so if anyone's hearing this the splits walk in drag is distinctly a goddess. Okay, you need to patent <laughs> it. We need to patent this shit. Well, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to close so it from the people who are already well, doing it, deserve to do it, and you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Who helped be, like born this form culture. of mm-hmm. of performance? But there does need to be some gatekeeping happening. Mm-hmm. I don't care who's mad at me. Gatekeeping. I don't know why people think spaces. that black women should not gatekeep. Black queer <laughs> folks. 
We stop letting them in. Stop like, letting them in. We birthed this culture. Yeah, we should gatekeep. Fuck that. Yeah, no, for real. Um, another thing when you were hosting, you were saying it was really hard for you to put, put it together because you have been struggling with your mental health. I, too, have been struggling with my mental health like so many other black queer folks. Of course, we're losing so many of our people to suicide and just we're, we're, we're going through it. We're struggling. Like, it makes sense. I understand why so many of us feel this way. How have you been caring for yourself? Oh, I am actually glad you asked this question because hopefully these actions can help others. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> one, therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like a bad word in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's like that in a lot of situations. I have a black therapist and I'm very, very fortunate. important. I found this therapist through a local nonprofit organization as well. So look into your community organizations, etc. There are things online. I actually post regularly resources for mental health and awareness, etc. Do you so remember the name of it? Because I have a lot of Austin listeners. Um, I actually do. It's called Ten Nightlife Therapy. Um, be cognizant though, because my therapist has moved practices, so I do have some other resources. Um, that I can pull up. I would love to plug them at the end okay. of the episode if mm-hmm. that's okay. Of course. Uh, because I think it's really important. There are networks that are completely black and people of color that are therapists. And I think that's very important because when we're addressing our mental health, having to also explain or hoping that they understand the nuances of also existing as a black person, is just exhausting. And therapists need to already be ready. We don't need to be teaching them through our vulnerabilities mm-hmm. and experiences. Just a quick second, because you said, um, I want a lot of people to understand just because someone's a therapist or even a doctor or a professional does not make them right. Oh, absolutely. Like it is important to have someone who understands you. A lot of white doctors do not know how to treat black people. A lot of non-black therapists do not, even if they're a person of color, there is something specific about being a black person that in, in my opinion, I had to find a black, I went through like 10 therapists. It was like dating. So I found a black woman who got me on every fucking level you know what that's another thing i'm glad that you brought up i did not find one therapist and go this it's you it i had to go through several therapists mm-hmm. before i felt safe mm-hmm. and i would suggest anybody do that for themselves as yes. well um another thing uh starting to like eat better uh <laughs> my belly is always fucked up because i'm eating shit i'm not supposed to be so i had to stop eating meat which Hurt my feelings though hurt because I didn't really want to stop eating meat. But if you when you vegan, you really learn how to season. Oh, well, vegan is so good, honey. I still cook good, but Mm -hmm. I still want a brisket. I know. Yeah, I still want some salmon and shit. Born and raised in Texas. Yeah, like and my dad cooks. I cook. We we just cook a lot. So, uh, my wife actually owns a vegetarian soul food uh, food concept. Yes. Um, <laughs> you didn't know no, oh, fork fantasies right now. fork fantasies um she also does meal prep and stuff catering with uh, other diets expansive diets but specifically does uh, vegetarian soul food for events and pop-ups and things like that um we have a food co- food truck that's under construction right now what's and, her name uh my wife's name mm-hmm. is dan shay the shout out to dan shay yeah that's the person who feeds me <laughs> and holds my feelings as a Virgo. That's a lot. So I uh, love, love her very her. much. And Fork Fantasies is the name of her business. And so we eat good. It's not that. It's just knowing that if I wanted to feel better, I had to make big decisions that 
I didn't want to and have a hissy fit about it, but do it anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was a way that I saw, oh, wow. You really showed up for yourself, nigga. Mm-hmm. And you're not drinking anymore. Good for you. Good for you. So, like, <laughs> when you think about, like, your mental health is doing things that make you feel proud of yourself and removing the disappointment that a lot of us kind of, like, became used to, mm-hmm. being the person who's not disappointing yourself is very important. Mm. Uh, but it's hard work. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this past year, I don't know if I'm ready to get that deep, like on a podcast about it, but about some of the hardships and friendships lost, mm-hmm. uh, like um, that happened just over a year ago. And so this whole year had been about like, can I trust myself because I had friends that were harmful? Like, who am I if I'm having friends like this? Should I stop trying to have friends if these are the type of friends that I'm attracting? And feeling like I can't trust myself because of my Mm -hmm. desire to love or to hold people. Mm -hmm. Um, So understanding that I can still trust myself and there was nothing wrong with trying to be a good friend. There's nothing wrong with Mm -hmm. being a friend. You do not have to regret being that person's friend. Mm-hmm. And I can have pride and trust in myself by knowing as soon as I found out they were not okay. a good person mm-hmm. or a good friend, I did what I needed to do mm-hmm. to make sure they were not able to hurt me or my child. And I wasn't going to have friends I'm inviting anywhere. And that person's able to hurt any of my other friends. Mm-hmm. Knowing that I can trust myself because I held that boundary, it hurt the whole the whole time. Still kind of hurts. But I get to be proud of myself and trust myself and know that I will remove myself from a dangerous situation if I need to. I will remove harmful, toxic people from my lives if I need to. And that has helped my mental so much because I can trust myself and I know that I'm going to pull up for myself and be less disappointed in my actions. So that's how I address my mental health is like reflecting like, but you did it Mm. and you're doing it. You're doing it. Yeah, having to tell myself I'm doing a good job even if I halfway believe it we need the validation really yeah therapy has taken me a long way and <laughs> I work in domestic violence for a living that's what I do <laughs> now. so I'm always um, learning about abuse how to have healthy not even just relationships but friendships connections um, and I love what you said to yourself at the end because it's not you and a lot of times we have to tell our context like you can think that every single man you're meeting is abusive and it's you attracting people but like you said, if you chose to get out of that, it's not about you attracting people. People fucked up. Yeah. People are the majority. We're in a society that's fucked up. People yes. gonna be fucked up. And you those fucked up mm-hmm. people are intentionally looking for people who will be open to and holding hold and space. carrying them. Yeah, and hold that space for them to be. Yeah, because you care. Because you're they're a not kind looking person. for the next motherfucker that's gonna cuss them out and hit on them and shit. Mm-hmm. They're looking for sensitive, caring bitches, and especially. Grace. especially if you come from a space where you feel like you need to be responsible for people's feelings Mm -hmm. um, or save people, which essentially black femmes, all of us have been raised to say it, to do it, to wear the motherfucking cape. So it's not that you as an individual are attracting abusive people. It's that abusive people are literally looking for you, Mm -hmm. your heart, your grace and compassion. Mm -hmm. And that's why you are worth protecting. That's why you are worth the self-love and the discipline and the actions of caring for yourself. 
and having to tell myself that again because I thought this was something I already learned. Mm. Like I went to recovery not linear. years ago. Mm-mm. I have a kid. I have a, I feel like I'm teaching them that it's not linear. It's not linear. These are cycles that we return mm-hmm. to so that we can keep leveling up. It's like the Fibonacci swirl. The spiral goes out, mm. but at each point you're going to return to each notches on mm. the spiral, but it doesn't out like farther from or closer Steve. to the center. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's just going to feel intense, but you're doing good. And there's nothing wrong with your heart for being a loving person. Your strength is going to come from protecting your heart, from protecting your energy and doing what it takes to make sure you are well and stay you. Don't let them steal that light from you. Don't become one of them because that's what they want. It's like a vampire situation. They're trying to infect you with the same situation so that you are somebody who is closed off from joy, light, and compassion, and you cannot give it to anyone else now. Don't, Don't let them take it. Focus on you. That's what I had to do this, especially this last year. It was really hard. Mm, this last year was hard for everybody. I'm telling yeah, you. What a word. What a word. I know <laughs> you might have been speaking to yourself and the people, but <laughs> in my head, you were speaking right to me. Oh, right yeah. To me. Okay. Listen, <laughs> I needed to hear it. I am but a vessel, honey. I guess I'll say what needs to be said. I got chills again. True. Shoot. I've been having chills through this whole conversation. <laughs> like, I am just, uh. Um, okay, so I know you said you had a child, and we talked about earlier your parents um, and just being the black sheep, but what advice would you have for parents who are raising um, queer children or against the norm or who are not heteronormative, just different? Oh, yeah. So if you are raising a black sheep, Mm -hmm. (laughs) essentially, right, Um, I think that the number one thing that I think would have helped me that my child has given me feedback on is listening, holding the space. You do not have to agree with everything your fucking kid says because at the end of the day, they are a kid. They're trying to figure it out. They might be regurgitating or repeating what they've heard from you, other people, or they're trying to figure out where they are, listening to them and just holding what they have to say. That's the only person you do have to hold. And you should. You should want to as well. I want to know who my kid is just in case he turns out to be like, a rocket scientist or an asshole. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I want to be there to at least know that he's supported. Um, and I think that that's really important to do in multiple relationships, but especially as a parent. Listening is literally half of the battle. And I know for me, I was not listened to. It's hard. And I think that children, I think that a lot of people tell kids to pretty much be seen, not heard. Mm -hmm. Or every time we talk to them, it's because we're asking them to do something. Or, you know, or like this higher expectation of kids, too, I think isn't healthy. Because then we get used to people holding us to impossible standards. Us holding ourselves to impossible standards. And the cycle continues. Um. I think, yeah, so just listening and holding your child is going to be really important. Um, and still explaining boundaries. Mm-hmm. I think that boundaries is like a huge fucking thing. Um, and stop saying, because I'm your mom or because I'm your dad. That's yeah, actually I said so. that is not a valid reason. No. And that is <coughs> priming them for abuse, a form and, of and abuse. And teaching them to be complacent because it is actually – Great for children to question authority figures. Oh, absolutely. Authority figures are wrong. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we're Mm -hmm. all supposed to be learning from each other Mm -hmm. anyway. So if you are a true leader, you you will listen anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that as a leader to my child, I want him to ask me questions. I want him to be like, "Well, that didn't really make sense. Are you are you sure that I should do that?" Or 
you said to do this but it's not really making sense with this i want him to ask me those questions because then i'm like oh yeah true seeing it from that way this is going to be the better way to have this kind of conversation or apply this type of rule my kids questioning this good because now i'm answering questions too i'm learning from his questions because i'm having to answer them i'm having to ask these questions so if i tell him to do something that doesn't make sense i'll especially because I'm neurodivergent, I'm going to give you the list, buddy. Mm -hmm. Because I truly think that the most effective way for this to get done is if you do the dishes every motherfucking night. Mm -hmm. I don't want bugs. You don't want bugs. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have discipline. We need to know that there's one thing we need to do to take care of ourselves every day. And that's going to be clean up the bathroom in the kitchen type shit or feed yourself or brush your teeth. Like as instilling certain disciplinary practices and then telling them, you know, the truth. This is to help you understand what practices are important to take to take care of yourself. Because all of this other shit out in the world, they're not going to take care of you, baby. So I want to make sure that you know how to take care of yourself mm -hmm. and understanding why it's important to do so. Not just because I told you to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, talking back is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, I make a lot of money talking Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't let my parents kill that out of me because now they think it's funny and now I'm leading them in a certain way because they were both military you know what I'm saying oh yeah my dad went from Compton to the military and lives in Alaska now wow yeah, yeah. Cold as hell. we outdoorsy niggas actually your parents are all I mean both up what north west my mom's in California southern California she liked the heat and my dad's in Alaska he don't like people so <laughs> you ever visit him oh yeah yeah oh, yeah wow. actually uh, the last two years were, was off years for us but we uh, visit every single summer and my kid went for christmas two years ago or not this past christmas but one before we love alaska i think it's very beautiful but oh, now nice. uh, now i'm to the point where i think that i should stop visiting because the glaciers are melting and in the past 10 years we have witnessed um, like the glacier and whittier get smaller and smaller What's Whittier? Uh, Whittier, Alaska. Um, it's actually a major import and export, um, like a uh, port in Alaska where there's lots of goods go in and out there. But it's actually a very secluded town as well. So when you get when you get to Whittier, you have to drive through a tunnel that is bored through a mountain. It is a one way tunnel, so they only let like one lane of traffic go at a time. They like close it down or whatever. The, that tunnel closes completely after 10 p.m. You cannot come in or out after 10 p.m. Mm. every night. Um, and there's like one school for all the grades, like K through 12. Um, the population is really small, but it's, it's supposed to be like that. But in the summer, especially, there are lots of tourists. We go like late summer. It's like rainy, a little cold still. Um, but a lot of tourists come through. And I actually officiated my dad's wedding a few years ago. And we had the glacier in our background. And we were actually talking about how sad we are that it keeps getting smaller. Like, my dad lives there. His wife is indigenous. And they live there. And they kind of, like, live off the land. They preserve their meat. They hunt together and wow. fish together. And they she has a garden. I help her tend her garden when I come. I help her butcher the meat. This is another reason why I'm sad that I don't eat meat. I was just going to say, is it I realistic? How, we, we, we were always on the same track, I swear. Did you say, is it realistic? Is it realistic to be vegan up there? Uh, is it possible to be vegan? It is possible, but there's just it's just so many limited ways to have protein all year. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so now they're they're in the capitalistic game too. Now you can get gluten free and like 
vegan type plant-based stuff there but seven years ago you couldn't really so like within the last 10 years like I, like I said like the glacier came smaller now they got vegan shit in Anchorage Alaska now they got vegan shit at Whittier we were in Whittier I told you how small this place is they got like one ice cream shop we go to this ice cream shop a couple years ago and they're like yeah we, we serve pizza and blah, blah. I was like okay y'all serve pizza I like that I'm like, oh, my kid can't eat because he's gluten-free. And my dad was like, well, maybe you should just ask. I was like, I feel bad. Like, this is their spot. This is their small town. And I'm over here with my frou-frou ways talking about, Mm -hmm. where's the gluten-free? Why, y'all? They actually had gluten-free pizza. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was actually shocked. And then I I was like, I know you're not catering to us, granola fucking. (laughs) Um, Granola fucks coming in your spot only but once a year, you know what I'm saying? But that's what is happening like they're realizing that tourism is what's going to make them money keep them alive and so they're catering to even people like me and now i'm starting to get this feeling like i know my dad lives here and his wife is native to here and they teach me how to live in relationship with the land but it's still i'm coming up to Mm -hmm. visit expecting gluten-free pizza at the ice cream shop you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so starting to feel like what part am i playing in that but I love to visit my parents uh, and my dad in Alaska, but at the end of the, <laughs> the, end of the day, we all just trying to find where our home is at. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love that. Okay, well, Sorry, my last question. Day. No, that was great. <laughs> like, you don't understand. I'm just like in awe of everything you're saying. I'm just like, I'm so glad you're here. Thank my you. last question that I have, I know it is not our job to teach um, white people. Sorry, as soon as you said teach, I started going, oh. Like, am I getting paid for this? But just because you have the moment and the floor, is there anything you would like white people, rich people, or anyone with an insane amount of privilege to know? The time and money you spend, no matter how small, is an investment for everybody. Everybody needs to know that. But especially white people with money and privilege, if you are spending most of your time in spaces where you know for a fact black people do not feel safe, you are still investing in that space. How you invest is very important. Stockholders all the time try to shape and change and evolve the rules of certain businesses and organizations they're invested in to meet their interest. I think that white people and people with privilege and money need to be doing the same thing to see a future that is more culturally blended where they are making a positive impact. If you feel bad about what your ancestors did, invest your time and money more wisely. Invest in making spaces safe for black and queer people. You need to be in these spaces that you know for a fact aren't safe and being like, friends, we need to make a change. And I'm not saying invite them to see what happens. I'm saying, what are we doing to show that we're giving outreach? What are we doing are we making sure that there are, are we sponsoring people? Are we learning? Are we having our own motherfucking classes? Because paying people to come teach you about it is great, amazing, and well. But what are you doing to maintain it? Are you having somebody like me come up here and talk to y'all on the month of February to fucking your corporate fucking meeting type shit? You have me coming to talk to you in February just to not have any type of anything in place to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Because we talk about maintenance. I can talk for fucking 5, 20, an hour. I could talk all this time. But if they're not investing in the maintenance, then what the fuck is it for? If y'all are feeling guilty, have some motherfucking discipline. Mm -hmm. 
And then you can actually be proud of yourself and realize self-love as well. Mm-hmm. Investing in the safety of the people who need it the most, investing in the dismantling of oppressive systems is going to be the brightest future for especially these white folks with privilege and money. If they're tired of feeling sick and guilty and bad for themselves, change it. I was tired of feeling sick, sick, guilty, and bad for myself when I was a drunk. I changed it. Mm. I feel so much better about Mm. myself and my actions. I decided to invest in myself differently. The time was being invested, but it was being invested poorly. Y'all are having a poor return on this racism shit anyway. It's not even good for you. It's not even good for you. Mm. It's not working for none of y'all. Whiteness isn't even real. How y'all going to erase all of your cultures? for something fake that's not even working for you because let you be white and poor, then you're crying and shit, but y'all are not seeing that the real enemy are these harmful systems that y'all keep feeding into and investing in that don't even work for you. The return on investment is poor, baby. Y'all are in the motherfucking red. It's time to invest differently. Have some fucking discipline and build self-love and self-trust with yourself and then we could talk some more. Having me in February, having us niggas in February is not enough. Y'all need to invest in some maintenance and some fucking decorum as well. Learn how to react in disappointment. Learn how to accept a no. Just because you go to a place and black people aren't having their arms open to you doesn't mean that you get to perpetuate the harmful thoughts that you've had. You need to understand that people are allowed to say no. People are allowed to not like you. Doesn't mean that they Mm. deserve less. They still deserve love support and respect just because they're not letting you in so they don't have decorum they don't know how to accept rejection either which is also a man thing in general Mm. but that's what i would Mm -hmm. say to white people learn how to accept rejection learn how to better invest and self-love that self-love is only going to come if you are investing more appropriately and have some discipline Mm. Thank you so much for being here. Thank, thank you for coming <laughs> on. I'm just so thankful to have met to <clears throat> have met you that day. And I just want to take a second to give you your flowers because, oh, my gosh, just the moment you spoke, like your presence, you were a force to be fucking reckoned with. And I, I want you to know how important you are. Like, you were so, so important. And hearing you talk about your struggles and not wanting to be here sometimes like I just want you to know that you are so fucking important you're important to me a girl who was never allowed to have her identity until about two years ago when I fought for it you're important to an Austinite I was born and raised here and I I ran away from this place because I never knew that there were gems like you like I cried after that event because I, I just I hope you know how important you are because as manipulative and calculated as they are against us, we have to fight and be as radical and aggressive about change, about ourselves, for each other, for our community. And I see that in you. And shining that light exposes the rest of us, makes us come to the light, make us want to fight harder. Like putting these events together are life saving. You are saving lives by bringing these people together. Like you are keeping us from the dark spaces like you are doing it like you are really really that important i just want you to know that i really hope that every day you remember that when you look at your son and your wife and your community 
Yeah. <laughs> I need you to know that. I need you to know it took one time of seeing you in this event to feel that. To know I could come home and feel safe. Like, you did that shit. You did. So, I had to say that. Uh, <laughs> I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you. I am really grateful to you, too, for being not only an Austinite, but being a black queer person in Austin. Like, I know you had to hide and assimilate in your own way, but I was looking for you when I moved here. I thought I thought we were here because in the Killeen area, there weren't too many queer people that weren't like sex workers. And they were all telling me that I was going to find my life and be truly uplifted in Austin. And I was coming to Austin every weekend, every big event. But I realized that a lot of us were all traveling. We didn't live here. And the ones that lived here, y'all was moving away mm-hmm. because there was no support. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I see a need and I'm trying to fill it, you are. but I'm not a hero. So <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not really wearing a cape. I'm just trying to exist with joy. And I am learning how to receive as well. So that's okay. <laughs> I am learning how to receive as well. So I'm going to cry more about this after. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm very grateful to be perceived well. But I ain't ever going to stop either. Good. I think that this has been a fire that's been going for a long time. Because I felt like I was always having a conversation with my family. Like, yes, I'm goth. I'm weird. I'm still black. I'm still black. This does not make me a white girl in a black person's body mm-hmm. at all. And hell, the idea of being goth came from white people thinking that other people's cultures were scary. This jewelry, the bones, the masks, the dresses, the like adorations, the costumes already existed in our culture. And they were like, ooh, scary. Mm. I'm gothic now. This is me. This is really who I am. And I never stopped that. And I just keep allowing myself to grow. So from going from being a black sheep that's hated to being a black sheep that's perceived and And celebrated celebrated (laughs) is fucking wild and Mm -hmm. i'm just so grateful for you brie thank you for coming back to visit us (laughs) thank you for having me i hope new york is treating you right because you deserve that thank you i wish there was a way i'm not a hero right but i always talk about gentrification here in austin and how the east side was like a safe space for me how i would Always try to go out here. Remember the food? You remember Sassy's vegetarian? Mm-hmm. Sassy's vegetarian food truck. She moved to Dallas and then she closed completely mm-hmm. because the support wasn't really there. I was like one of the only ones who was always coming back. <laughs> but I just want to say, like, the people that were here, born here, helped make Austin what it is. Y'all are the reasons why I felt like we have to do something or everyone will we'll be leave. gone. Yeah. Everyone will be mm-hmm. gone. And y'all. I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's not just that people are leaving. It's white flight. They're running, okay? And that's essentially a form of displacement. Mm-hmm. And yes. also the gentrification, the displacement that's happening here, you know they tore down most of the east side, most of the most of the income-based housing, yeah. a.k.a. projects. They're putting 300 and to a million-dollar houses next. Literally. Right there. Next literally. Mm-hmm. Like, if we lose Givens Park, what now? 
we well, they trying too. I, they're trying. Mm-hmm. Like I'm happy we still have Victory Grill, but almost everything up on that street is like completely different. And when we think about historically black Austin, Austin is historically black. Mm -hmm. And we see less and less of us here. And that's why it's important for me. Sorry, I'm just doing it. It's important for me to keep saying all these things because, like, they don't get to erase us. Mm -hmm. And I don't really, like, have a home for being nomadic and the military and all this shit. And so I live here. I love here. I live here. I belong here. And I'm going to fight for all of us, like, all the time. I'm going to say what needs to be fucking said. I can piss off my parents. I don't care about mm-hmm. white people being mad at me. Mm-hmm. And so if I could help make you feel good, good. <laughs> Definitely. And I know uh, last thing <laughs> I'll say you. is Elena was saying um, sometimes we don't need the invitation. Sometimes we are the invitation because we run to look for these places where we're invited and safe at. Mm-hmm. But you are the invitation. You are creating that. And that's what, when anyone comes through, they're like, okay, so there's a space for black people here. Then people come. Then people stay. That's how it starts. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So we doing it. Uh, we, we doing, doing it. it. Free. <laughs> you a bad bitch. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you for holding space and existing. Yeah, so whenever you come back to Austin, you know you always have to say space. And I'm going to give you some links and details to some more black shit in New York. Okay, black, cool. Black drag, too. Okay. Because they are outside. Okay, and any mental health resources or anything, we will tag them in the uh, the podcast link. So yes, yeah. we'll do that. I have a few, too. So we have some for people who may need um, health resources, mm-hmm. mental health resources, housing resources, food uh, as well. So... Um, when I started drag, I was actually homeless with my kid. We were sleeping mm-hmm. on an air mattress inside of somebody's house in uh, Austin. The room in Austin, I wish. I Listen, yeah. my mom has a huge house. She would have took y'all in real quick. <laughs> that is my mom's home is everyone's home. I wish I knew that. Fuck. Me too. I wish I knew that. Me and my kid was on a fucking air mattress, and I was still doing drag. <laughs> still I know, drag saved my life, though. So the queer community saved my life. That yeah. people that's what I'm this what you do is life saving. Seriously. Seriously. Look, people walk so that I can fly, so I'm still very grateful for all my queer elders, all my ancestors, all the people who made Austin as well. Like I said, that's why I'm grateful for you. You was born and raised here. Mm-hmm. I just got here thirteen years ago to Texas. So, you know, I'm just so grateful for everybody who made this a place for me to be an invitation. I'm trying to keep Austin black keep us so weird some black as hell yeah we outside <laughs> we're doing it so thank you shit thank you for real all right thank you for coming and um got this is leaving but i'll be back with um the rest of the show all right y'all, i'm back and listen i know y'all have heard me talk so much shit about being in texas in the south and having no outlet to a queer community. So to come home and just connect with the right people and happen upon this event and meet and got this, it just was a beautiful day. And I'm like, okay, I can come home and realize that there is a community here and I do belong here. And the South will not be forcing our people out. So this meeting this interview this connection was very very important to me and i'm truly truly thankful to have met goddess but without further ado i'm here to bring you guys my black sheep of the week of the week black black sheep of the week hey black sheep 
of the week. <laughs> All right, y'all. Over the weekend, Portland, Oregon had an insane ice storm. It was so scary. So many people died. And in one incident in particular, a power line went down on an SUV. And these this family was trying to come up the driveway when it came down. The power line came down on them. So they were stuck in the middle of it. And 21-year-old Tajiza Bridges, um, who was pregnant, was shouting for her boyfriend to take her baby. So she's pregnant, holding her her baby in her arms. So she has an infant while pregnant, trying to come up the driveway, but the power line comes down. So she notices it. She's like, if I move, I'm going to get electrocuted. She's shouting for her boyfriend to take the baby. She gets electrocuted, dies. Her boyfriend gets electrocuted trying to get the baby, dies. And as he grabbed the baby, he lays on the floor. Both of them have passed. The baby is on the floor on top of them still trying to struggle to survive and all it's going to take is this baby to roll on the ground and also die their 15 year old brother Teron, he comes out to assist gets electrocuted and falls to his death now while this is happening 18 year old magia magia it's m-a mahia i hate to say her name wrong it's m-a-j-i-a-h washington Magia, let's say it's Magia. Uh, Magia Washington, she's watching this out her window, and she's like, okay, I have to help. She's on the phone with 911, and she's just like, I don't know what to do. I just saw three people die, get electrocuted. And this baby is moving around. So she goes out there and somehow grabs this baby and takes this baby to safety. And it's actually her neighbor's family because her neighbor is Ronald Bridges, and that night he lost a daughter, a son-in-law, and his um and a son a, a son a daughter and his son-in-law um and this woman saved their baby so my black sheep goes out to you majaya washington because girl you are a hero and it, it's just something about i think black women that's so powerful because you just act you don't think you just act you just go we are the superheroes of the world and what a horrible situation and what a blessing that she was there to keep yet another life. Um, so 10 people died in just this storm alone. And I know with climate change, the storms are getting worse. And it's just so important for us to come together as a community and care for each other and help each other. <sighs> okay, y'all. I know it's hard to move on for that. Such a heavy topic. But we're going to talk about what I've been watching, try to bring you guys a little bit of joy. And for this um, segment, I have Zuri on because she really wanted to discuss um, some things with y'all. So I have yet another little legend on the podcast. And um, yeah, so let me go get Zuri real quick, y'all. Give me just a second. Okay, y'all, I'm here with my oldest daughter, Zuri. We're just going to blurt out for a second. How you feeling, Zuri? Good. And Zuri has been begging me to get on this podcast so we could talk to you all about Grand Theft Auto. What? In other games. In other games. We're going to talk about a couple things today, but I was a nerd growing up. Thankfully, my child is taken after me, and she also is a, is a blurred. So we're also gamers. We love to game. Zuri is... <coughs> games a lot more than y'all more than me bear with me y'all because my throat is ugh, i cannot stop getting sick um but yes let's start with grand theft auto because 
Grand Theft Auto, I've grown on, grown up on it. I've played all of the different versions. So we were super excited when we saw the trailer drop for the new one, which is coming out when? Um, I believe 2025 in like December. And that's what I was telling Zuri because we saw the clip. It dropped last year, like a couple weeks ago in 2023. And then at the end of the the trailer, it was like coming in 2025. And we're like, we have to wait a whole nother year for it. It was like, what was the point of showing it? But I, I do get it because then it's like one of those things where it's like the feedback and how people like it and what they need to add. Mm, that is smart. A whole year worth of graphics. That is smart. Okay. So the trailer was, was there, I think maybe two trailers and it was only like about a minute long. What were your first thoughts? Um, so the graphics are very realistic. That's what I was mostly looking at. Like, they also, like, yeah. It, like, and blurs reality. It really looks yeah, real. Yeah, like, the eyes and everything. And my first thoughts were, like, you could see, like, all the animals. Like, I guess meaning probably meaning back like they're gonna add like animals i saw like, like a friendly. gator and stuff yeah because we only had like a dog do we even have cats on the other one no we we only had um the the the, the, the bulldog dog. for franklin the yeah franklin i think it was like a pit bull yeah no a rottweiler no it was a bull a bull it was i think it was a rottweiler it was a bull it was a big bulldog and especially i'm pretty sure because Okay, uh, bet you a dollar. Okay. Okay, let's bet like a dollar then. 90% of the time, I'm pretty sure, like, I don't, like, I think most hood people have, like, bulldogs. Maybe? Most pe- hood people have pit bulls. Yeah. Yeah. Bulldog is different. The bulldog oh. is the pug-looking one. That's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think it was a, a, a Rottweiler. So he thinks it was a pit bull. But anyways... So when the the trailer first drops, we get our first female Grand Theft Auto character. Like, uh, she's the main character, Lucia. And she's out on parole. She's meeting with her parole officer. And her parole officer is like, well, how did you get here? And she's like, I don't know, bad luck, I guess. Which to me means everybody's doing crime. The government doing crime. Everybody doing crime. Everybody out here trying to get the quote-unquote American dream. But I just got caught. That's why I'm here. I ain't here because of bad decisions. <laughs> also, the, the hair is very realistic also. And, like, the outside. Yeah. Yeah. So, we see her talking to her pro officer. And immediately, when Lucia gets out of jail, she back on her bullshit. Because they we go to this, like, Bonnie and Clyde type storyline where her and this dude, they trying to get it. They immediately try to go back into hustling what do you think they're doing i guess robbing stealing looks like they were robbing a store at one point yeah robbing the store and just having that wild free life because i don't know like when you go to the beach and it seemed like they were partying or it was just showing like what you could do but speaking of the beach they've oh yeah they're using a lot of black people up in yes the body types are so so realistic and when i mean that in the other grand theft auto most people were like skinny on this one it's all different body types yes which makes excites me for the gt online because it now you can probably create your actual own person because in gt online you can only be like one pretty skinny body type but Mm. now you could probably be like 
thicker, skinny, in between. Now you can be like all of those. And that's really important because just like for us as black people, when we had the Sims or these games where no one was black, it's like, so I just got to be a white person. So it's really important for people who are not the atypical body type, who are bigger, to be able to see themselves in a game and to play with all different, you know, they're actually playing with the body types and putting, including everyone in this game. And there's so many black people. They're showing basically Florida. And you could tell they did their their job and really went to Florida and saw the details, saw the people because black people make Florida. Like you see them, you see the girl on the carts working, which looks oh, yeah, so which real. Also more animations probably cause. Cause the booty meat was booty meeting. Okay. Like her, she was popping it. It looked very realistic. I was very happy about that. I did want a black female lead, especially if you putting all these black people in the show and making the, making it, you know, but I'm at least happy that we got a woman as the main character. Um, let's see. Oh, the cars. Oh, yes. I am so excited. Even though I can barely afford a car in the GTA that I have. <laughs> Bro. I'm going to get options. a pink. I'm going to get a pink, royal blue, and purple car. Because those are the best colors to have when you're having like a beautiful. Oh, also red. Cause those are like the, like the cars that just pop and it makes them look so good, mm-hmm. especially in GTA. Cars are like a big part and like drifting and everything. Like there's mm-hmm. a big part of GTA. So and they also go in with the cars. Yes, like candy paint colors. I cannot wait to just see the different cars, the different bikes, and what else like um, things we'll get to use like boats, helicopters trains what like i'm speaking of they had a lot more social media like it looked like oh really (laughs) i missed that part like yeah like (laughs) it reminded me of like i don't know i don't know i don't know what it was because like i don't have social media but like it was like hearts on the screen and it was like you could move through them swipe like you swiping like yeah but online it is data? no like what like yeah but like it was many videos like tiktok but it didn't look like tiktok uh, it didn't look like TikTok. like you can play around with actually being on their internet more yeah because okay. Okay. on the gta that we have now it's like you you can have internet but it's like you can't really do nothing but it looks like you can actually put videos and stuff um they also wait where was that they also oh had like so many of the florida man incidents so we know that florida is notorious for florida man they just be i don't know what's in the water in florida but they be doing the craziest things there's a man in there who's watering his got his um grass completely naked or maybe he had a speed on very florida man you look like a thong <laughs> yeah like a thong and then there was another dude wrestling with a gator that's like every other week like wasn't there one that was a gator inside the the store Oh, yes. Yeah. Very, very Florida man of them. But speaking of the store, on their Bonnie and Clyde stuff, they were robbing a store at one point, like, and you saw, like, the surveillance. I was like, okay, they're getting really detailed. Like, yeah. they're going in. Um, So, yeah, they just had a lot of not just, oh, this is set in Florida, but, like, Florida culture. Very Florida culture. Yes. They got and really deep in the depth with it. Which, uh, like, also, it threw... They also did a huge throwback on Vice City. 
like a huge throwback. And I know you like Vice City and it's my favorite. They did an uh, like which is also really good. It's amazing when games do this because then it brings back old players in, which really attaches the players. Mm-hmm. That's what Fortnite did recently, I heard. And that I know, like nostalgic feeling back to yeah, like, yeah, my childhood memories. A lot of them were like, a lot of the Fortnite players were like, thank you for for showing me. Is that what my, they sound like? <laughs> I, I, it mostly boys play. They be like. Hey, you want to be on GTA? Yeah. Yeah, they like that. They said, what? Thank you for showing me what? Thank you for reminding me of my childhood because, like, they've been, they played it when they were younger and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty, I believe they added it back for, like, a week or, like, a day or something. I'm shook because you're like, thank you for my younger days. I feel like Fortnite came out, like, Yeah, but it's, it was, yesterday. like, your childhood, like. It has That's been here wild. for a while. That is true. Because kind of like my to me, it, it came in my adulthood. But for y'all, someone who's like 15, that's their childhood because yeah. they were like nine. Wow. No, they were, yeah. Yeah, they were like, yeah, Seven. that's like a, a big, that's hilarious. I love that. Um, I was thinking about this, okay, because they were, there were parts where they use real people. Like they definitely copied like that tattoo man. Oh, yes. There was a man whose face was like tattooed like the Joker, and like um, which Joker was he? You and you'll see it if you go look it up. You'll know which Joker I'm talking about. But his face was tattooed. The purple and Joker. <laughs> there's only one. No, Joker. no, like there, there's a Heath Ledger Joker. There's um, oh. yeah, I can't remember what actor it was, but Jared Leno, Jared Leno's Joker. So his face was tattooed, and it looks exactly like the dude in real life who's who had his face tattooed like the Joker. And I'm like. Can these people not sue for their likeness? Like, and I know this man is definitely probably still in prison. If not, got out and went back because look at his face. Oh, which reminds me of another point I have to make. But do you feel like if they use your likeness like this and like copy your whole style, but change one or two things that these people should be getting paid for it? I mean, yeah, I think so. But like at the same time, they're first of all, GTA is so big. They probably don't listen because everybody mm-hmm. loves GTA, so mm-hmm. then it's like, whatever. And also, they're using criminals, so nobody's going to exactly. care. Exactly. That's exact. You were so smart. That's exactly what I thought. I'm like, but at the same he's time, in jail. He I ain't got really, the money to. to mm-hmm. I don't really care because it's like, he seems like, he seems crazy. Don't care what nobody says. Okay, but if like, I'm twerking and my booty me look that good and you got me and I know that that's me twerking on that car, run uh, me my money. Well that. Run me my money. I'm talking about anybody. I feel well, like if someone used your likeness to promote, because they use all these black people, like there was these black men who had like the locks, the very thick, thick, massive locks. And I'm like, this look like real niggas. Like this really look like them. This look like hood I black men. I don't think here, to be I honest. I know, they're just like, look at me in this game. Ah. I don't think the the girl care either, because she's probably like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about it. But also... The strip club, like it seems like an actual they club. Showed, they showed a piece of the strip club. I was gonna yeah. talk about that. I don't remember. They did, and it was like an actual club instead of like just a boring thing that you can walk into, like the GTA that we have now. Which makes me think that we're gonna have more game options. What do you mean? Like, I meant more job options. Okay. Oh, I hope so. That would be so fun. Not jobs like mission jobs, like actually you can go places and work. Yeah. Okay, that would be dope. Cause 
I think that they're going to let players be strippers, to be honest. That would be so much fun because Lucia, I if that was her in that bikini later, was she like she got a lace front or she dyed her hair like blonde and she was in that bikini? Yeah, that I'm was like, true. okay, what Lucia oh, been yeah. on? More clothes options, and I definitely, I'm almost positive that they may have more like accessories and clothing options because <laughs> that was a good outfit for real. Mm-hmm. And I know that people think that Grand Theft Auto promotes like co- crime culture and like gang culture and drug culture, but there is a real reality in this type of lifestyle because when people get out of prison, if you've been in there a long time, if you made a mistake and you did your time, when you get out, you cannot get no job. What do you want these people to do once they, that's why like the prison pop, pipeline that people who go to prison or they get out and they're a felon. If you get out and do your time, you should just be have your stuff wiped clean. And it's like free. That's GTA's just freedom to me because like, like it's like it's basically what you can do in real life. So now on the game, you're just free. You can do whatever you want. But people do do this in real life. A lot of people live like this because the moment you get out of prison, you're already labeled a felon. You can't get a regular job unless you're going to work nine to five and make seven dollars an hour. If I'm used to a certain lifestyle, I got to really provide. You can't do that off minimum wage. So what can you do? Hustle, strip rob still because the government and people who high up are already doing these things but they can get away with it because they have the money they have the money to put uh drugs which is quote-unquote medicine back into the community and get away with it because they have friends in high places so are these people really that horrible for being criminals and doing the same thing like so you get to see the reality of someone who gets out of jail don't really have no options but to return back to that life so i love grand theft auto for that reason but let's talk predictions. So what do you think is going to happen with her relationship? Because we see the moment where she's in, she's in the bed with her dude and she's like, you know, we got to have trust. And he like she's like, trust. And he's like, trust. So what do you think will happen with them? Like, <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, do you think they can trust each other? Because it looks like they have this Bonnie and Clyde lifestyle. I'm wondering if their storyline is going to be they end up together, they really ride or die, they make it or they don't make it, someone is up dead. What do you think could possibly happen? I'm wondering if she can actually trust him. Where has he been through this? Was he in jail too when he got out? Oh. I'm wondering what their storyline may be, you know? Um, they seem like a ride or die. Mm-hmm. It seemed like really like ride or die because when you're in stuff like this, you really have to have trust mm-hmm. and like because you can't just do this with anybody because they could snitch at any time. Mm-hmm. So, Which makes me wonder how she got caught up anyway. She said bad luck. So what happened? Mm. Yeah, that is question. So there we go. Any any last remarks? Anything else that you notice? Mm, I think. <laughs> I think that they might have drugs in this new GTA because they already like that's random, but like it's probably like it's probably like a girl, obviously, but it's like no, because I don't even remember. I'm thinking of all the they had alcohol and they had weed, but nothing. oh, else. drugs like you can do them. I thought you meant like people are selling drugs. I don't know. Oh, because they had, did have alcohol. I wonder. Yeah, will you like start being deranged? That's a good prediction. Wow. Okay. Any any other thoughts? Any other predictions? Because we're about to move on to 
our next game. No. Okay. Moving on because we are also excited about the drop Mortal Kombat. Yes. <laughs> well, who are your favorite? I think your favorite is like Melina. Melina, Katana, and Omni Man so far because I haven't seen all of them. Oh, I'm gonna so talk about Omni 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 Man. Omni Man. You go with Melina and Katana. What do you love about them? Okay, so me personally, I personally prefer. There's something I love the new one, but I kind of don't like it at the same time because they changed some things. But like, I don't like the old. I don't like the new Melina. Like, not really, but I do. I like her mouth. It look crazy. I love her mouth, but okay. I'm talking about, like, the design. Like, I don't know. Mm, the, mm-hmm. I, I'm just not a tomboy. I'm more of, like, a girly girl, so I like Katana more. Also, I What did they, Melina have that was boyish? Like, like just, she was just kind of tomboy to me. Like, she wasn't very girly like Katana. Like, I don't know. I, I forgot know. what her outfit looked like. Okay, what else was you going to say? I cut you off. Oh, they also took off Jade. The black girl? No. Well, Wait, who's Jade? I think they still have her. Oh, that's not Jade. Jade. I always say that. Mike always tells me that it's not Jade. Jade is the one with the pool. That's, that has been there since the first one, I'm pretty sure. The one sure. with the pool? Like a swimming pool in the back? No, like a, a pool, like a literal pool. A literal pool is a pool. What a is pool, a stick. Jade, her. How is that a pool? A pole. A pole. Oh, I forgot about her. She was irrelevant to me. She was a non-motherfucking factor. No, but if you played her, like, she was a big part because I loved her so much. And I played with her, and her texts were really good. And she has been there since, like, the beginning, I believe. I don't remember her at all. Her. Look up. Look up who? Look up. um, Like the old Mortal Kombat Jade, because I'm pretty sure that she was there since then. Okay. Old school Jade. What was I going to say? I was mostly into Mortal Kombat because of the fatalities. Like, oh, yeah. Their old school Jade is showing me. I'll look up Jade later. They're doing callbacks. First of all, Kill Bill is one of my favorite movies of all time. Me and Zuri watch Kill Bill at least three times a year. We will randomly watch Kill Bill all of the time. And they had the five palm exploding heart technique. I was so, oh my God. When Mike told us, I was like, what? And went to go look it up. I was so, so excited about that. I had no idea. And he was like, nah, but Omni-Man's the best. And we're like, who? Like, who the heck Which is Omni made Man? us go watch. Which made Zuri. Zuri was like, uh-uh, we got to go see what this is. And I'm like, this dude's outfit looks corny. Who cares? One of the best shows of all time. So Omni-Man, I was looking it up. I couldn't find it. I was like, what is this? Who is this? Omni-Man is the dad of Invincible. Who- oh, wait, hold on. We also have to do a warning because if we're going to watch this, it is very violent. Extremely. And if you're already listening to this and you're a blurred, you already know what's up because... It's giving Mortal Kombat. It's giving dying and you're not coming back to life. Okay? If you want to... come back. <laughs> what? No, on, on oh. Invincible. They just be killing people left and right. They don't be coming back. Oh. Yes. 
Um, but I'm saying, like on Street Fighter, you just beat the crap at each other and y'all all live. You know, Mortal Kombat, y'all die every single round. Omni Man or Invincible is one of the best shows I have ever watched. Like the way that the father was so toxic. Like if you think about toxic masculinity, the patriarch, what I be talking about about men, his dad exemplifies all of that. He just played a role the whole time. Like. I don't want to give it too much because you've never seen it. It has the biggest twist of all time. It is so good. It comes off episode one. Incredible show. Incredible show. Um, it was so incredible. I started watching it when Zuri like would leave and she used to get pissed off. She's like, you're just going to watch it without me. <laughs> she ended up having to watch. She is like frowning y'all. She's not playing with me. I'm sorry on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, the fatality, basically, Omni-Man grabs his son invincible drags him underground puts him in front of a subway a subway's coming holds him in front of a subway and and uses his body to split the subway in half so not only does it split the subway in half but every person on the subway it just splits their body down the middle heads are flying everywhere making him watch these people die witness it their guts is going through his body he's smelling it his blood everywhere it's his daddy beats the shit out of him to a pulp almost to death drags him through the subway well if you if you play the game you're it's gonna spoil it for you anyway because you're gonna see the fatality it didn't say that it's (laughs) okay that's real that's valid okay spoiler alert (laughs) so the fatality is it is one of the best fatalities of all time i'm saying that without hesitation no go ahead um Another fatality that I think is like, oh my gosh, is when he grab Omni Man grabs um like a character and like squeezes the eyeballs out. Oh, like yeah. I forgot there were other ones too, but it was, it's so crazy. The, the deaths in Invincible are some of the best deaths I've ever seen. Like just i mean that sounds so psychotic it, it, but it is just glorious it's like who even <laughs> thought of these deaths like they're so good they're she, so she's, gut-wrenching she's, she's basically saying that they're crazy yeah yeah they're they're insane they're insane and it's like who thought of this who was the the design person behind these deaths because they're so creative the person is clearly a psychopath we love it we're living so yeah oh also the fatality that i loved was the one where he the robot sets all those bombs and oh, you think yeah. that it's gonna blow up like everything in his vicinity and uh, and it actually just blows up the whole planet and we're like oh okay doom <laughs> it looks so freaking cool i love that fatality he's like we're all dying but like <laughs> i i <clears throat> i'm glad they kept katana though because like I just love her, like in this one she's just that girl from what I've seen, and like she also gives the kiss of death. Reminds me of Ron Ronma one half. Blurred like, alert. <laughs> Ronma one half is like a manga where, um, when he dips into the water he turns into a woman, and then when in hot water he turns back into a boy. One of my favorite comics of all time, and then in Zuri's time it ended up being like a cartoon. And so Zuri's favorite character is um all three of them. Oh, but you love shampoo. Yeah. Yeah. So shampoo when he was a girl. Um Shampoo was a boy? No, when Rama Oh, when Rama bad. was a girl. When 
So oh when God, Shampoo saw Ranma as a girl, she gave her the kiss of death, which means like basically I'm gonna kill you. I'm pretty sure. I don't. I, I don't know. I'm not gonna say nothing that I don't really know. Yeah, I think that's what that means. A kiss of death, and then it's. So it's kind of like a callback to that too. You see, who is it? Melina or Katana? Katana kisses, like the characters before she kills them, like the introduction. Fatality. They, oh yeah, they took. <laughs> Zuri is pissed about this. Yes, they made the finish him sound like finish him. Like I'm so mad. It sounds so bad, but I can't be mad because they fade. The fatality sounds are like the finisher sounds. Be like. Dun, dun, dun. I, love that. I like that so much. I like that too. But I get it because that's such a big deal. We used to just say finisher for no reason. Finisher. And it's so like, dun, dun, dun. So for them to just be like, finisher. Like, get it done. Mm-mm. I get it. I hate when they do that. Like, I hate. It's, it's just. Because, like, why would you change something that's been there since iconic. people's childhood? Like, mm-hmm. why would you change something so iconic? Mm. It just makes me cringe. Like, oh my god, y'all already messed up. But then they they add something to just cover it up and be like, okay, we well, can't be mad at us because then we added this and made this better. Yep. Also, okay, last thing, it. last thing, Melina, I love her finishers and fatality. Like, I love her mouth so much. It's what makes her so iconic. Her mouth looks like very zombieish, but then it also splits on the side. It looks so gross. Reminds me of Pennywise, right? Yes. And that was one of my favorite parts when Pennywise bit that girl's face off. I loved when he opened it. I used to rewind it all the time. <laughs> yeah, weirdo. Okay, <laughs> that was Mortal Kombat. The last thing I'm going to touch on, I know Zuri isn't really into this game, but y'all pissing me off when it comes to Street Fighter. Street Fighter 6, right? Yeah, Street Fighter 6. Street Fighter 6 came out. Love, love, love it. While I don't play Street Fighter 6, I watch it all the time on Twitch. Kimberly is my fave. Yes, they added a black girl. They did her so well. She's not like... Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll look her up for Zuri right now. They did her so well. They didn't make her overly masculine or, or do any like toxic tropes. They just made her be super bubbly, super cool. How blurred black girls are. like, And not only that her outfits are so bomb like she their new outfit she has like an afro y'all know i love that she is just super freaking cool wait oh i didn't type in kimberly i'm like where is she at um all of her outfits all of her skins she is freaking awesome and to all the haters who are pissed off because she replaced some boring ass white man whose character nobody even plays screw y'all like Kimberly is the shit. I love her voice. Oh yeah, she looks her so movement, cute. The, her moves, like her energy. She's just so cool. I want to find her afro oh, skin yeah, so you can see. She looks so adorable. She's so freaking awesome. And the fact that I couldn't even dress up as her on Halloween because I had that concussion the week that I got her outfit in. Concussion. Yeah, I want to hit my face. Oh. Yeah, I had a concussion and, and a black eye. Um, so we are just so excited about Kimberly. This is her new skin with her afro. So screw all the haters because when when you have someone who can play Kimberly, she's unstoppable. I'm telling you, she is so unstoppable. Like her character is so, so good. So those are all the games that we have been playing. 
bonus content because I Zuri last night maybe made, made me watch this movie. Did you want to talk about it? Oh yeah, Brotherly Love. So. It was so good, but just uh just to preface it, it's a movie with Kiki Palmer, Tiana Taylor, Logan Browning, Quincy Diddy son, which is uh, another issue, but we love Quincy. Quincy Brown, um Tierra uh Tia ex-husband that man it's on netflix Corey hardwick yes and it's a little old y'all which is why i can't believe i haven't seen it but it is so good zuri made me sit down and watch it it, and i loved it a huge plot it's like it's one of those things where it's like when you rethink about it it's pretty obvious but it it was going so good oh no i didn't i did not predict it It and i'd be predicting stuff no but when you think on it it when you go back and yes it it was was obvious obvious from the beginning but Mm-mm, they got but me. But they were going so good that it kind of blinded you. So it's like the Romeo and Juliet storyline. I was trying to explain to Zuri where Romeo and Juliet is. Yes, an 11-year-old. She has not um, did the history class or took literature yet to be able to I've know what it is. I've heard of Romeo and Juliet. I just never heard the story anyways. Oh, you have? I've heard of it, but like I've never heard the actual story. So it's very Romeo and Juliet. Like uh, two people from two sides of the track, which is Kiki Palmer and Quincy. They have like a love story. Families hate each other. One's rich, one's poor. Um, and I just, it was not a predictable storyline at all. It was very good. Very black. Did you like it? Yeah, I love that movie. That's why I told you to watch it. Yeah, I liked it. And I liked the the character development. I liked it talking about just how classism is still a big deal. Everyone can be black, but having rich black people versus poor black people, they live a different lifestyle. They live a different struggle. Their survivals are very different. But at the end of the day, they have a lot of the same morals, principles, and that's, will die for that. For that's that. what she said. She said the hill people, the, the top hill people think that they're better, but they're just like us they're just the same but with some more money classism plays a role white supremacy makes people think we are different because i got money and you don't (sighs) trigger warning is a lot of gun violence but that movie is so good it's like yes the end is is tough but it's not like but it was still very wholesome very good content very black content um i enjoyed it so so much i would encourage you all to go watch it and And netflix take this off we're harassing you we're, we're protesting we're fighting but <laughs> zuri is now that was the end of zuri being here i wanted to talk about a film before i get into what else i've been watching any more thoughts baby no so you gotta kick me out <laughs> say bye to the people bye guys <laughs> Okay, listen, her podcasting skills, her hosting skills, her speaking skills, I'm like an icon, okay? What is Beyonce without Tina Knowles, okay? I I birthed that child. I'm just so proud of her because I'm like, she was born for this. She just did such a great job. So, so proud of my baby. Um, Okay, I know this episode is long as hell, and I know y'all love long episodes, but let me talk about just a couple more things that I have been watching let me see. Um, okay, I so I just watched The Color Purple. Side eye to me and my family because we sure did stream it from the house. <laughs> don't come for me. Don't arrest us. But I will say, I could get into detail, but I will say I love the movie. I love the cast. I love the cast. So I have complaints, but I love the cast. Love the songs. Love 
how beautiful this this movie was. So the old movie is like grittier, it's realer, it's deeper. The new movie is colorful. It's so beautiful to look at. It is just such a pretty movie. And the the cast, the songs. I'm like Fantasia's voice is so amazing and like you just you're pulled into a scene when you hear her speak and I'm just like and even Taraji I did not know Taraji could sing but she was like she was carrying um but Fantasia's voice is just fantastic and I know she also did like the Broadway version I believe and I heard she did phenomenal there as well and I just I wish she could have got more songs because that girl can sing she is just like she just she is soul she is literal soul she was meant to be Celie, and i just love her in this movie now each person did their job listen they showed up on set and they did their job there was not one person in this movie that i was like okay they could have done without her even her like i'm like her was so cute and her her role is squeak and like um What's her name? I hate. Okay, let me remember her name from um, Orange Is the New Black. She played uh, Sophia. She killed it. She killed it as this new age Sophia. I mean, her strength, her perseverance, her stepping on the scene and being the one. The in the in the ways that her and also Suge Avery maintained their independence while still maneuvering these men. Like, they were like, I'm going to get what I get out of these men. I'm going to have my way. I'm going to do what's best for me because I know how men be acting. Like, the way they refuse. And you see Shook Avery be the slice skin, like, very feminine. I'm a movie, I mean, I'm a um, singer type of gal. But then you see Sophia, a very dark skin, headstrong. My daddy raised me to fight, and I'm going to fight for what I want in this world. I don't care what nobody got to say. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, I mean, everyone did their job. And this movie just reminds you how powerful black women are and how much we've been through. It was very triggering for me to be reminded, like, we've been going through it. Colorism is so real. Black women have been getting the brunt of our entire existence, but we still continue to make beauty in what we have. We refuse to not find beauty in what we are given. We do whatever we can with what we got. And, um... Yeah, so I enjoyed it, but I will say they did make it a very Disney Channel version of The Color Purple. So it's like, yeah, it was still like, oh, we know this person was was sexually assaulted, raped, and molested. But it was like, the old The Color Purple was like trauma. I mean, black trauma. Like, it was heavy. They cut a lot of my the most iconic lines out and because of this okay let's just take a break for a second because they decided to cut my favorite lines out I was texting my girl uh, Elena and I was like she happened to ask me what were your favorite lines from the original color purple and I was like you know what let me make you a list child and so I did and so I made a list and I'm like these are my favorite lines and none of these lines were in the original um, which I'm like, I mean, sorry, we're all in the original, but we're not in the new version. It's like, why? Why would y'all do that to us? But it's okay. Number one, my favorite line, which I say all of the time. I just say it for no reason. You told Hoppo to beat me. I say it all the time. 
And you know what? I think she might have said it in this new one. I think that might have been the only line she said. Like, did you told Harpo to beat me? But <laughs> the way Oprah Winfrey just really, like, gathered her and was like, how dare you? Um, love it. Number two, I lo- which is in the same uh, line of, of interrogation, <laughs> she goes, now I love Harpo. God know I, I do, but I kill him dead forever. Let him beat me. Love it. Love it. Because we used to say this all the time for no reason at all. Like, I mean, we, we, we watched The Color Purple together. And it's funny because when we were watching the new one, Zuri, every single moment, she's like, that's when this happened, that's when this happens. I'm like, did you watch the first one and study it like that? But then we, too, watched the first one and studied it at, like, 10 years old. And why were we knowing these things? Why were we saying these things, okay? Um, number three. All my life I had to fight. Which all three of these came from one woman in the same damn uh, speech. These all three, three of the most famous lines from this show all came from Sophia within her line of interrogation to Seeley. <laughs> so, yes. Because all my life I did have to fight. My daddy, these niggas, everybody. Okay? And we can all attest to that. So, yeah. We got two more. Number four. You show is ugly. Because when Suge drunkenly turned uh, turned over and looked at Celie and just was like, girl, you're ugly. And went from that to seeing the beauty in her and to almost, to literally falling in love with her and, and taking her from that man's house and allowing her to save herself and, and speaking life back into her. I love that. So I choose to take that as someone who judged a book by its cover and then learn the true beauty of this black woman i love that line you show is ugly because fantasia is anything but okay number five i curse you until you do right by me everything you think about gonna crumble and i say this hex all the time it's at the end when Celie finally leave that nigga and she put her fingers up and she looking at him and she like mm, mm-mm-mm. no okay and I've said this to people before. I had I one time a nigga borrowed money from me, and I was like, "All right, I need this money back the next day." And of course, why would I even loan my money to a man? Because what was I thinking? It was like five years ago. I was trying to help a brother out, but he never do that shit. Um, and he just it would not respond, would not give my fucking money back. And I'm like, "You took from a single mom with two kids because you trifling." And so I I wrote him this text, and I'm like, "And I'm gonna hex you." And I'm sure his life ain't shit now because he went to jail shortly after that. So I did that. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did I say I was married now? Hold up, hold up. I forgot I was married now. I love that one. I was married now. Because although it won't happen for me, <laughs> I love to say it. Okay. And... um bonus i love the scene where they're um doing a like patty cake patty cake and they like i love you when they leaving each other um but what do they what do they say when they're doing it and it's like i hope you never part i can't remember what they say we must never part but then they do it at the end um and i just love that part too because we me and my friends would do that all the time when we leaving each other and we're like bye so yeah, the color purple was great. I do have my complaints. It wasn't as heavy. It was very like definitely will be on Disney Channel next whenever it comes out of the the um movie theater. But 
all in all, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the cast. They did very well. I don't know why Sierra was in there, but not because something is wrong with Sierra or nothing, but it was just like, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so the color purple was great. I feel like I have a couple more things to cover, but we'll do it in next week's episode because this has been such a jam-packed episode. But sometimes I forget, but now today I'm not. I'm going to drop you guys my micro of the week, okay? My micro of the week. Oh, and for those who are new to the show, my micro of the week means a microaggression, which is something that's, covert racist so like if you don't know what microaggression is it's like covert covert racism which is like oh you're pretty for a black girl or which is like just fucking racism really but it's like backhanded compliments or like stuff like oh he doesn't look like a good guy or that or she's aggressive and you're talking about a black girl or touching black people's hair it's fucking microaggression don't fucking do it so love to name a micro every single week to help you non-black people mind your motherfucking business or just do better um but some microaggressions can also be sexist and this microaggression is i have decided to talk about the term friend zone the term friend zone is microaggression it is it is actually fucking violent and awful for women the friend zone is basically when men feel entitled to a woman and are upset because the woman just wants to be their friend it's basically also exposing the fact that men are only friends with women that they're attracted to they kind of become your friend just to gain their way and garner their way and um manipulate their way should i say into being more than friends and when they aren't able to be what they thought they should be to you then they're like oh she friends on me what the fuck does that even mean you never hear women saying he friends on me because we don't automatically think we're entitled to a man anyway. So friend zone is specifically for men because they already thought that they were entitled to you. And then it's like, oh, wow, she thinks she's out of my league. Or maybe she just thought that y'all were actually friends. And then you want more from a woman that she didn't think that you that she didn't want. And now all of a sudden it's a she your quote unquote friend zone. It's a microaggression because it's really just sexist as fuck that you ever thought you should be something with this woman. So yeah, for all the people saying friend zone, it's actually just incel men who think that they were owed something that they never were, that they never, that a woman never agreed to. So you're welcome. Pipe it down. Okay, guys, we made it to the end of the episode. Hate to see you go. Love to see you leave because I got shit to do. But... I can't let all my besties and my black sheep go without a party favor. So at the end of every episode, I leave you guys with a party favor so you can go and live your lives and just, you know, a goodie bag. Give you guys a goodie bag, so to speak. So my party favor this week, which is maybe some homework, but we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll see if you guys are up to the test. Um, plan something in your community. No matter what it is, plan one thing. Maybe it's a book reading at the library. Maybe it's you getting some kids together and teaching them something that that maybe their dad isn't around. They don't know how to do. Maybe their moms are busy, so you can teach them how to sew. Plan one thing in your community, even if it's an event. Plan an event at a club or host something, or even if it's just with your friends. 
plan something with people you care about to give everyone a little joy. So if everybody, one person in every friend group in a neighborhood, one person just put something together for everybody. Uh, once a week, if every single person did that, there'd be so many activities for us to come together and attach ourselves and keep community together. That's what we need right now, okay? The world is a sinking ship, okay? Can we throw some floats? Can we be there for each other? <sighs> okay. Love you guys. Stay in the fight, okay? Stay with each other. We good. We got this. All right, niggas. Peace. <laughs>